Welcome to ICP with We. In the name of MC Lars. This is our ongoing examination of MC Lars. I'm Eric. And I'm Aaron. And this is MC Lars. Hello, friends. is up everybody and welcome to a very special episode of icp with we yeah we're not only at the gathering but we are here with a very special guest you just heard his voice it's mc lars lars what's up hi eric hi aaron this is fun to like uh bridge the fandoms and you're the reason i'm here at the gathering so thank you for getting the wheels turning on making this happen i mean hey if we could be any part of that um i'm i'm very stoked to have Absolutely. to have helped grease the wheels a bit and make <laughs> that happen uh what are you doing here at the gathering you're, you're hosting a stage you're doing some other stuff yeah i'm like so you hit me up about the podcast morning right and schedule couldn't work so i couldn't be here yesterday but the idea of being there happens, so I'm 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 hosting like judging the cipher editions. Oh, that's sick! Oh, nice. And then doing the nightmare stage, like the midnight to three graveyard shift. Brutal. <laughs> so, but but yeah. Here's the thing: if you look at the schedule, some of those midnight, one a.m., two a.m., three a.m. are such banger performances. Like Isham, I'm particularly stoked for. Yes. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. That's yeah. a that's a can't miss for us. Is there any, any other artists for you that are I'm, like can't miss? I, I like horror. They were Same. supposed to be on Warp Tour a few years ago, and they allegedly trashed the hotel room at the kickoff party. Oh, well. The backstage. Yeah. I heard this. Then mm. so the Warp Tour was kind of like, well, I don't know if this is a good fit. <laughs> Maybe this isn't going to work. That's like the legend. Um, yeah. There's there's a those are the two I'm most excited for. Um, yeah. How about you guys? The later ones, or is it hard to keep track? It is pretty tough to keep track. I will say one of the ones I really wanted to see we saw last night, and that was Free Will. And that was it. That was a free good, will put on a hell of a performance. Yeah, yeah it, was it was a really good, good set. I dug that. What style is he or they? they? Yeah, they. yeah, it's a it's a it's a rap duo. And they are I don't know, sort of a trappy influence rap. Um, very, very sort of punk aesthetic. Sounds they're, dope. Yeah, they're they're sick. Definitely they're really good. Checking yeah. Out. Yeah. Apparently. So they were uh, they were doing free will tattoos at their merch booth and apparently <laughs> two people two got, people them, on got them on their face yesterday. yeah yeah that's that's some gathering i, I would that's say uh, if you haven't heard them for fans of stuff like ouija mac holler and um you know i i think the reason that i like them is my adjacent fandom to suicide boys who i Oof. love yeah and so were they were y'all here last year no. Suicide no. Boys were, right? The, in 2019, I think they were. And then uh, okay. I'm excited for Fat Nick and Puya. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, again, my my interest in Puya springs from the features he's done on the Suicide Boys tracks that I like. Same. So, yeah. So that's cool. like the algorithms. Like they, They're like, oh, you like ICP. You like the adjacent Juggalo stuff. What about these new SoundCloud kids? Right. Right. Um, and I think yeah. working with somebody like Ouija, who appeals to that audience, is one of the most intelligent moves ICP could have made. It's a very interesting way to bring what they do and this culture to a whole new fandom. 
Yeah. I think Ouija's great. And Ouija's videos are what make him work so well, and I he, think. he drops one every three months. So yeah, that's it, too. He does a lot. The, alg- the YouTube algorithms are all about engagement, right? They, right? All these Google wants to make money off your art. So if you're showing you can bring eyeballs, they're going to put your stuff in front of people. Hell yeah. And a- Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's like the, uh, the labels that are making their artists do like 10 TikToks a week right. about promoting their music kind of thing. I mean, it's just that's the way music it's trying it's to about, hit the algorithm it's a, is it, the only thing emotion yeah. has changed dramatically in the past 10 years oh yeah and Absolutely. or having an icp theme podcast with 100 plus episodes yeah maybe you guys oh wait yeah <laughs> yeah that could be a thing <laughs> so yes thing. we're here at the gathering oh and hoodoo is hoodoo's playing one of the like 3 a.m 3 a.m yes yeah. Yeah, great. That same was, night as Isham. that 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 lineup that night is the one that i'm like don't miss a thing because it's like Mikey Clark and oh my then gosh. Ouija and then um, Esham. I'm excited and... for Legs Diamond today, too. Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, we've been talking about that. I think Nine we talked Pistolas, about that over the breakfast this morning. I love that record. Do it's, you? It's, yes. I am so okay. Oh, Aaron's a fan of it. Is Rob, is it, are they doing Nine Pistols or is it just Legs solo? I Well, the rumor is it's a Nine Pistols, but I don't know. I don't know. I can't guarantee you. I guess we'll find out. No, I will definitely be right up there if it's a nine pistol is set. I'm that very is, stoked. That's yeah. records dope. Um, well, it might be tough to do because one of the members is, is sh- probably Sugar not Slam? Here. Yeah, I don't yeah. think she's at the event, but... But so. can I wait, can I ask you guys like... um the oh yeah were you here in 2018 when i when i played here with mega ran no i don't know we we went on right before uh killjoy club and Mm. that like we're supposed to go on at like two we went on like 4 30 oh my god killjoy club went on at like 5 30 and so the sun was rising so i'm like i'm like I'm not surprised if the 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. slot becomes like 4 a.m. to 7 because sometimes things aren't on us necessarily on a yeah. Procrustean schedule. <laughs> right. Uh, last night, everything got pushed out because of the storm, sir. Yeah, I, I remember, actually. I did not know that you were also with Mega Ran on that. Uh, how was the reception on that, like, with you guys being there? Okay, so the question. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. Shmi from ICP, or Juggalo Judgment, is here uh, in a producer role helping us out. And Hi, Shmeev. Holly. Asked about the reception to the uh, combined set with Mega Ran, which you did. You've done a lot of work with Mega Ran. You did a full album yeah. and uh, a few singles and stuff as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Mega, I've known Mega Ran since like 2009, mm. and we've worked together a lot. Um, it was a good reception. It was, you know, it was interesting because like the gathering... You, ha- you don't want to pander, right? You don't want to just do all ICP references. Sure, we did We did a freestyle where we had people hold things up and we rapped about them, like their shirts and stuff. I think we got a good, a good reception, but there were definitely some sound issues. Uh, but you keep it moving, keep it positive, all the way to Shangri-La. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's Absolutely. all you can do, right? Yeah. That's, all, you just, that's all you can do. Were you there, Shmi? No. No, no, no. This is my first one. Oh, that's what's up. It yeah, was, it was fun is, as hell, though. Yeah. All of our first gatherings, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yes. We, we have not uh, I, gathered before. So, um, I don't expect you to have listened to my life story through our many hundreds of episodes at this point. Uh, I listened to ICP. I discovered them in 1995, and it was a... A life-changing moment for me. I was a hardcore kid playing shows with my friends, and there was kids that listened to rap. And although I liked some of it, there was not rap for me. And then I heard ICP, and I went, "Oh, wait a minute! This is this is for me." What was I the first song? This. Um, 
So <laughs> I've told this story, but I'll say yeah. because you'll think it's funny. We uh, we used to like to go to the mall and just look at CDs. And we kept walking past the rap section. And there was this CD with a sticker over the cover that said Insane Clown Posse. And we we're like, what? Tunnel of Love. No, it oh. was Riddlebox. But we were like, what the hell is this? And it was a full, I think what they, I think the label, it was when Island, or not Island, uh, Jive. Yeah. Battery put out the album. And I think because the name of the band and the name of the album are not on the cover, uh, they put a big sticker so people could figure out what it was. Was it covering the art or no? The sticker was just black with the purple and green font that said Insane Clown Posse. And so me and my friends were like, there's got to be something crazy under that sticker, right? Like this has got to be super explicit album cover. And also it's a band called Insane Clown Posse. So one day my friend stole a copy of it from the mall. This was in Pittsburgh or was it? It was in Erie. I lived in Erie, which, you know, is your your homie stole it. Yeah. Okay. He stole a copy and then it started circulating through our friends. And the first thing I heard was it was the chicken hunting single, the one that had the riddle box promo on it and stuff. Cause my friend's like, yo, I'll let you borrow one of the CDs that I got. So he stole that too, or he worked in radio or what? No, no, it was for sale. You could buy it. Oh. The store, he bought it from the single section. So my one friend bought, stole the CD. My other friend went and then bought this single. And so the first thing I heard was chicken hunting and it had, I didn't mean to kill him and fabulous and the riddle box sampler on it. And it had the, uh, original recipe of chicken hunting too, which also. at the time I thought was a remix of the slaughterhouse mix. I'm like, oh, this sucks. I don't want to listen w- to this was, version. Was, so it was like a CD maxi single. Yes, Remember it was. That? It was like an EP practically. <laughs> what? Wait, wait. Um, what was the third one you said? Fabulous. Yeah. That is on what record? It. The only other thing it ever showed up on was the Riddlebox 20th anniversary, the Oddity CD. That's where I've heard it. Yes. Which I love the fuck out of that beat, and it's like an intro track for them. It's just. Uh, like, I think they played it at show intros and they dropped it on the scene. How's it? And no rapping. Um, he's like, these guys are crazy. Oh, so remember fabulous, that. you know? And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's how I got into ICP. And I got really into them for a while. We went to see them in 1996 in Cleveland when Tunnel of Love came out. And it was. You're well, OG, bro. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, it was, he's OG as shit. It was yeah. one of the most impactful show experience of my life because we were used to going to hardcore shows and stuff and big concerts were a different thing. And this was like that same community, even at that point. And like how many fools were there? Probably a thousand, several hundred at very least. Yeah. Cause it was in a, a smaller club. I think it was at the Odeon. Who else was on the bill? Um, Humble gods mm. and some punk band that opened. I can't remember. So that was the origins of this KMK affiliation. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, this, I got into them for yeah. a while after the first deck ended, I kind of dropped off for a long time. Okay. And then uh, coming up on three years ago now, Aaron, who I met through being in bands, we played shows together, randomly tweets, I want to start a ICP podcast called ICUP with me. And I was like, let's do this for real. And so then we started doing it and got so, totally back into the community. I caught up on 15 years worth of music I had. Heard. So what was so was it the Wraith was when you stopped listening or what? No, I, Brothers? it was it was. I think the last thing I heard was the Tempest and that was kind of after yeah. I had, it was, it was really, I guess the calm, the calm was the last the thing calm, I actively bought. The calm and the Tempest were like a lot of OG Juggalos exit points. That, that's what, that's no what, that's what we've been finding yeah. out. No disrespect. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm definitely um, <laughs> not bucking the trend there. I, I did the very basic thing and I was like, I don't know if this is for me anymore. Uh, that and, is so cool. So you you're you brought him back in the mix, Aaron. Yes, and I did. Aaron had no experience with ICP. I, I didn't. Point. So at that point, I had listened to one ICP song <laughs> one time, 
my bandmates put it on just on to be like, oh, ha, 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 while we were on tour, and it was cuss words. Um, okay. It, that is a Ouija Mac track. with It was Ouija and ICP together. It so was like 2017. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a late ICP song, right? Yes. Um, before that, I had only ever experienced <laughs> ICP through uh, the kids that bullied me in on school. On the playground. Uh, had ICP shirts on. <laughs> so you're young. You must be younger than Eric. Yes. I am. Yes. I'm yeah. uh, I'm 28. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we are. We all uh, look like brothers. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're, yeah. we're brothers from another era. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah, we we did we we played tons of shows together for yeah. years. I was in a band called Hollowed Out, and he was in a band called Ballista, and we were buddy bands, and we used to play shows and stuff. Wait, but but you were in Seattle, or this was before you this moved to Seattle? Before I moved to Seattle, moved so to Seattle. he moved to Seattle probably like what two three months into the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. why though? For laws. Yeah. No, it was I. So here's the thing. It kind of was. Yeah. I'd lived in Texas for ten years for work. And Wait, well, you were living in Texas, Aaron, or what? Yeah, he's still in Texas. I yeah. see. Yeah. But what brought you to Texas? I'm sorry. I'm work. Yeah, I, I got. I, I ended up in in Texas okay. for work, and um, so yeah, we met each other living in Texas, and then I was traveling back and forth to the West Coast a lot, and I was like, I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be, hmm. and so I don't know. During the pandemic and after all the 2016 chaos and stuff, I'm like, I don't know if Texas is is right for me anymore. So we we packed up and moved to the uh, West Coast. You'd already started the podcast at that point. Yeah. So you went remote. Well, we were remote because it was during the pandemic. Oh, man. So we were. It it had always been remote. We were recording across town. Yeah. Yeah. We have recorded. This interview, but besides this interview and yesterday, I think we had one, one episode, episode in person. where we were in person. I'm honored together. then to be IRL. Yeah. I'm, I'm we very are, happy. We're yeah. the ones that are on. <laughs> very happy to be doing this. Iron. Yeah. This so thank you for the background now. Okay. Yeah. 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 I want, I definitely want to ask you about that stuff, but <laughs> yeah. we, we've got so much other ICP and things that we can talk about later, but Honor. I want to talk, I want to talk about you and what you do uh, for anybody that's listening. That's like, I'm not familiar with MC Lars. Tell me who MC Lars is. Tell me about the music. Man, that's a that's a great that's a big question. Sweet question. So similar to you, Eric. Yes. Uh, I started playing in hardcore bands on the Central Coast, south of San Francisco, the town called Monterey, and uh, yeah, what there's like you know Oakland and Rancid and Green Day and Gilman Street like that. I spent the first half of my life till middle school in Oakland. Then we moved down to the Central Coast and. Uh, I would do hip hop as a way to open up my sets, right? Like I'd rap like haha before my band. But then it turned out more people were like trying to check for that than, than the band. That's cool. Right. So, That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, and it was like, I don't have, didn't have to uh, book the rehearsals. This was like 98 book, like with the other bands, you know, I just like do beats on my computer and I put on like a mini disc originally, um, wow. <laughs> like playing, yeah. playing like youth centers and stuff and uh, like church events and stuff like that. And, that that was like my inroad. Um, so and then the internet came along. Yeah, I guess I'm skipping over the ICP connection. I'll, I'll uh, drop that real quick, or does that we we'll come back? Put a pin uh, in that. You can talk about it now, or we can put a pin. You in could it drop it like back. it's hot if you want. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Um, okay, I'll I'll do the the TLDR version. Yes. Uh, I had a website. I'll use my mom's. Uh, santacruz.net account to host a jerky boys fan site and i had i'd review prank call tapes right and so i had 
uh, a site where I reviewed all these prank call tapes and someone sent me the this Jerky Boys bootleg and I did a review of it. So on the Google SEO back in the late 90s, when you type Jerky Boys bootleg, my site was the first thing to come up. So I had this whole business where I was like dubbing prank call bootlegs, like underground stuff when Jerky Boys were at their height and I would get all these tapes. So there's this dude in Michigan, this guy, Chris Van Horn, who would send me stuff, but at the end he'd put songs and ICP had sampled on Super Bowls from this tape, the great phone calls, you know, the saxophone lessons. He yeah. goes, I'm only up at this time of the night. I play music of the night. I've heard a rumor that that's Mike Patton. And that's actually Mike Patton, yeah. yeah okay. From that's the great phone calls. Yeah. And uh, uh, what's his name? Neil Hamburger was, was the guy who produced that, this mm-hmm. comedian guy. So that was my first ICP song. I was like, what the heck is this? And this, was, this would have been like you, 95. Yeah. And in California then, no, no, no one was checking for ICP like at that point, really, no. other than the underground. And so that was my inroad. So I was like, OK, so I was like I was really kind of a nerdy, lonely kid. And so I started doing writing raps. And in my sophomore English class, we studied Macbeth. And you, the assignment was like, do something that like references Macbeth, make some new content. So I did this song, Rap Beth, that was very like kind of inspired by Cemetery Girl. Because it's like the witches and the darkness and yeah. the, the iambic tetrameter of the flow. So that was like, I was like, I'm obsessively going to follow this path and <laughs> do this because it was like, there's a unique way to bring hip hop with, with punk and DIY production, right? Yeah. So then I went to college and I did a, a term ab- abroad in England and I was like, it was really hard making friends there and I felt kind of lonely. So I emailed all the listservs of the Oxford community and got got local indie bands to like have me open because I had brought my laptop at that point doing my Shakespeare raps. And then a label out there, Truck Records, in 2003, they were like, we want to put out your record, we want to help you. And this, the Oxford scene was cool because it was like the home of like Radiohead and a lot of weird indie bands that had yeah. done well. So it was like still kind of vibrant at that time. Um, so then the nerd, then Nerdcore happened. But before that was... That's why I linked with Bowling for Soup because they heard uh, heard some of my old demos and then I started working with them and then Nerdcore kind of became a thing. So I was able to like keep my juggalo love but be adjacent to these other scenes that were happening and never be shy about like this was what made me want to make these weird crazy songs and now I'm talking to y'all at the gathering. <laughs> hey, isn't that fun, right? It's, it's weird. Long story. It's yeah. weird how um, ICP is a thread that weaves through so many facets of music that people don't always talk about and you don't always know is there. And it's crazy when you find out that it is like, we've found so many connections in even the modern hardcore scene that we're like, People just don't talk about this, but it's there. This was an inspiration. There's way for more a lot of people. people that are yeah. down with the clown, low key in the hardcore scene than, than you think. You would think, yeah. yeah. It's it's and it's it's. I think it's because to Eric's point, the scenes were very connected in those very early days. Yeah, yeah that's a really good point. Like the stuff with Biohazard, with Malink, with uh, Jekyll Brothers, and all that Head PE, like yeah. all the. The crossover, and it's it's interesting how like Steve Jones playing on Piggy Pie from Sex Pistols, right? right? That's huge. That is huge. Jay didn't even go get to meet him. He was like, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, I think also the PMA thing, you know, the the positive mental attitude, and then when SNL happened in '09, the whole magnets meme. Yeah. I think people were like, oh, it's not cool to like them. It means you're kind of uneducated. I'm using 
block quotes, white yeah. trash, anti-science, right. religious extremists, because people knew about the, the wraith and thy, thy unveiling. So right. they be, kind of became marginalized with this uh, subsection of American culture that like Web 2 and social media was made it. So if you align yourself with them, you were a type of pers- American person who was like not on the right side of history. Sure. So that's why I think hardcore bands then were like, oh, yo, hold on. We're it's vegan. Not, we're not we're not yeah. anti-science. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, uh, I mean, and it's even, it's weird being at the event for somebody who is vegan and straight edge. And I mean, I think one of the big appeals for me was I think DIY scenes recognize each other and understand, but also there's a lot that I'm like, oh man, I don't know what to do with this. Well, this well, is culture shock. You know what it was an example of that when Jay was having the heart problems and fools on Fago lovers were like, it's because you got the vaccine, bro. You got the out Fauci oh, ouchie. That's Ugh. why I'm like, really? Is this the, but you can't, you can't generalize and it's like, it's all no. good. It's all positive. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's coming around. I think the positivity, like it's okay. It's okay to go. Yeah, I like ICP. I'm I'm into this. This like this was a big part of my life inspirationally, musically. Yeah, that's cool. I, I will say every time I do any sort of video or something, and I have my my Carnival of Carnage hat on, I at least get a couple whoop whoop comments. Like yeah. it's overwhelmingly positive, you know. Yeah. Shmeev's got a question. They got fucking TikTok sounds and like oh yeah, Rebecca Black used an ICP. That's true. On a TikTok. That's ICP, what's up. He has seen a lot of success on. Was TikTok. that was that the one? that's like chop chop whether it's changing she did a clown drip in tiktok oh yeah that was tight yeah 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 they have they have Boogie a lot Boogie of songs blew up on on that TikTok. have blown up on tiktok yeah That's recently which is pretty dope you know my other theory is like rap metal and like new metal has had this kind of ironic resurg- resurgence it with has. the zoomers and icp like their foray into the mainstream zeitgeist was their moment the woodstock moment like yes. so people so nostalgically 20 years later something that was whacked 20 years ago it always comes around and becomes tight again. Yeah, that's true. And so that's, that's I think, the part of the aesthetic space they occupy. And then we're talking about Ouija Mac, I think, before we went on, like the SoundCloud underground. They influence all these fools who are like doing huge streaming numbers, doing something that was so, uh, so unorthodox 20 years ago that now is like they kind of made that. I don't know. They kind of paved the way. I know everyone listening agrees with this and this is not new information, but right. They're so relevant and it's Absolutely. like, and like culture so fragmented, but if you can have a festival for 22 years and podcasts and stuff, it's like, that never happens. That's like, no. that's the, that's the, that's why I feel like there's this whole spiritual meaning to it. And the religious stuff, I feel like really resonated with me and still does yeah. because it's like, I feel like God exists in a lot of this and that that's just my truth. And, that makes me excited. So that's what's up. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people share that. And I think it's interesting that it can resonate with people that have varying beliefs, you know, different faiths or, you know, people who are atheist and still can say, I like the moral messages. I like the ideas. And even Jay himself has said quite a bit, hey, we're not going to claim to be Christian. We don't go to church. We don't know the Bible. But when we talk about going to heaven, we're talking about, we want you to be a good person, live a good life, be good to yourself, be good to other people. And I've, that, that always resonated with me. From the very beginning, the moral messages in the music, the reason that they had a purpose for creating songs, I went, oh, okay, this matters. It's their ecumenical, right? The idea they, yeah. they have a lot of different faiths. Were you, you were talking to me about like, your vegan beliefs ties in with the butterfly thing in a way, cause it's like dedicated to the butterfly, the animal rights. Well, I, 
a song like Dead Body Man right at the beginning, I was like, oh, rabbit's paw. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 snuck some animal rights messages into their song. (laughs) Wow. But Jay loves his dogs, right? Like he's an animal lover. I mean, he does talk about killing a cat and stuff, which I don't like, but all day. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some deep topics right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, hey, for real, (laughs) let's let's get to something much lighter but very important um i was shocked to learn that lars horace is not your real name hey <laughs> uh and then i read somewhere that they said that it was a reference to a character from dr quinn medicine one but listen i called my good friend jane seymour and she said that is full bs <laughs> and that there is a character named horace yeah but there's no lars horace oh my god so tell me the name um my real name is andrew nielsen Lars comes from, have you ever heard of a movie called Heavyweights? It's an old yes. Ben Stiller movie. Oh, yes. big fan of Heavyweights, yeah. So there's that guy, Lars, right, the counselor, and he goes, now we'll play the fun game to help learn each other's names. And Keenan from Saturday Night Live goes, but we already know each other's names. He goes, what's your name? He goes, I am Lars. And the kids start busting. And I was like 12, and I was like, that name is ridiculous. And I thought there was a funny like like pun because the kids were all large. And it's oh, Lars. It. Oh, yeah. It was like they were exceedingly Lars, large. I thought that was just so funny when I was 12. <laughs> right. So we, so I was on the student council and I know I'm jumping around and we had to serve this pancake breakfast for the parents to raise money for the school. And yeah. I was one of the servers and we had to make name tags. And I asked the teacher, Mrs. Trescott, I was like, Mrs. Trescott, I'm going to put Lars because I think that's funny. She goes, no, you're not. That's not your name. And I was like, oh, really? So, so I put Lars on there. So it was this, and I was wearing this name tag, came Lar, named Lars, and people were like, what the heck? Like, why are you doing this? So it was like my um, endless defiance against authority because I couldn't use it at the pancake breakfast. So I was like, I'm going to make this my name. Okay. So high school, college, everyone called me Lars. I'm Scandinavian, so it's kind of like, and Nielsen is Danish, so it's a funny tribute to that. But it's like the least MC name ever. Right, Lars. I don't know. It's not very um, black, <laughs> but that's. But I mean, it's a very nerdcore thing to have a not very rap name, which maybe is a problematic distillation. But like when I and then, but you're right. Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna. And then I heard MC Paul Barman. I don't know if you know him. He's an underground. Mm-hmm. Prince Paul did his album. Prince Paul who did the De La Soul records. Like, yeah. And so, and was he like, was also part of Grave Diggers. Grave Diggers. Oh, yeah. holler. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, that's huge. Big fan. Prince Paul's a man. Yes. Um, and so Horace, so where's Horace? Okay, so uh Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, there was a barber named Horace. Yeah. And he married his wife was a sex worker. So in the show. And he was yeah. the barber. So I thought Horace had a funny pun, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That is yeah. 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 problematic to riff on now. So my name has some like weird pop culture 90s connections. So Lars was a character I made up, and Horace was this ho- the cartoon character. So I was like, what would, wouldn't that be a f- weird name? Lars Horace. My band was called Horace. Then I was like, my solo project's going to be called Lars Horace. Then I started rapping. It would be MC Lars Horace. And then when, and then MC Chris came out and I was like, this was like 2002. I heard him. I was like, let me drop the Horace. No one knows how to spell it. And well, you spell it wrong anyway. I spell it wrong because I didn't know how to spell it when I was like 12. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I spelled it incorrectly. You, you, yeah. you, you had did some good research, Eric. Uh, maybe. Uh, th- that's what's up. And that's, yeah, so that's that's uh, Dr. Quinn Miss Woman and Heavyweights and now MC Lars and now... But like, it's interesting because it's like, if I'm on tour and someone calls me Andrew, I'm like, what? Like, I'm who? like, uh, yeah, I'm like, who is that? Like, how do you know my real name? It's obviously on the internet, but it's become like this mask that I wear that lets me feel kind of like, I can, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's like 
having two names is tight sometimes. You know, you feel me? In, yeah. in this sort of a, a, than a lesser capacity, um, I rap under the got, name yeah. Gristle. Um, yeah, right. And yeah, uh, the, check us under the And you're minus. Yes. With the X's for straight edge. Yes. yes. Collar. Um, but yeah, people so, are like, Xbox 360 gamer tag and I'm like oh that pissed me off when people started doing that and didn't know what it meant but. right yeah, um, yeah so I I rap under the name Gristle I also do pretty much all my content under the name Gristle stream and everything uh, like streaming that. and all that okay and uh, at hardcore shows in the DFW hardcore scene I am Gristle yeah so if I'm at a show and somebody says hey Aaron I'm just like uh, you don't even hear it yeah you don't know me like that yeah right <laughs> but um so correct me if i'm wrong in heavyweights lars was the one that ended up tied to the tree with peanut butter on his chest yeah, right yeah it's good yeah. reference there that's right that's yeah, right i have a lyric in my uh in my, i did a roger rabbit album and i talk about there's a line where how roger's gonna get even with marvin acme he goes i i could tie i could tie you to a tree like in heavyweights i'll cover you with honey get a grizzly bear like maybe eight so I referenced that scene. Okay. So yeah, that's awesome. that. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's dope. <laughs> that's tight. That's tight reference. And he goes, help me. And it's just a deer licking his chest. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's just a, it was like, the, that was I in the commercials, got, like the trailers. For I'm the sure. Movie. Yeah. I think they probably was like, they're like, we need to get the cutest deer. Go find the cutest doe and it's bring it over easy. here. Uh, there's sure. not many. You don't see a lot of deer, and you're like, "That is a horrific is, deer. What a tragic <laughs> looking deer." That that deer got beat with an ugly stick. I mean, that deer was born poorly. Maybe they're from Dearborn, Michigan, as referenced in many ICP songs. Pun. I don't That's know. I, don't, I worked what? on Belle Isle. I used to pick up deer shit. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about something a little more serious again. Yeah. I think anybody who's listened to any amount of your very prolific catalog, you've released a lot of music. Thank you. Um, (laughs) No, thank you. Uh, It's very obvious that you mix a lot of very socially, environmentally, politically conscious messaging into your music. It's woven in. It's a part of your persona, your identity. But what does MC Lars stand for? What's important to you? Wow. That's a really good question. Uh, I think that, you know, I never really swore in my music because I always looked up to Weird Al, right? I could listen to that with my parents. He's he's someone who's loved by all genres. Absolutely. Absolutely. For generations. Yes. And it's like, if you want to, yeah, even though I've had some stuff that's kind of transgressive and controversial, um, I think it's like, make people laugh, make people think. Each song, I want to be a thesis where I was talking about how your chorus is your thesis, right? It wants to be something shocking, make people think about things differently and kind of just find, find meaning in this, in this really confusing postmodern world. The political stuff is interesting because like algorithms can divide people. We've used that word a lot, but it can be like, it can be like you can be grouped into a category. And I think like in terms of politically, I guess you could say I'm more left, but like in some ways I'm. I don't know. Yeah, like I don't. It's weird to put politics in your stuff because it becomes dated. But I'm right. also, but also I'll talk about it. Like I was like telling fools who were coming to see our tour, please be vaccinated. And when Trump lost, I was happy. And but also, if someone likes Trump, like okay, like I don't hate them necessarily. I might not agree with them, but I think that it's like you got to be. Yeah, I want to stand for like I don't know us evolution. That's so vague. But that's a great question, though. Socially uh, and uh, emotional and mental evolution in that capacity. That's what's up. Well, and politically, I mean, obviously, this isn't a hot take, but people didn't used to hate each other 
on the other side of the, the I, I, there was spectrum. always tension, yeah. but there was always never tension, been but what this is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it feels like it did in the 1860s, right? Where it's like, what li- you got to draw a line like with the civil war. I mean, I don't know. I, I think people can be extreme and people can, you get people get power when you talk about how much you hate them. Right. Um, at right. length, but I'm happy to talk about, I'm happy to talk. I'm happy to try to address controversial topics. But like I made an album called The Jeff Sessions, right? Because I thought it was like a funny pun because like Sheryl Crow did the Globe Sessions and Jeff Sessions was this politician. People don't really talk about him now. So people are like, wait, do you like him? Are you making fun of him? Like sometimes when you draw a line around something and circle something politically, people are like social media and stuff. People don't get the full story. So it's interesting that if you'd asked me 20 years ago, I would have been like more extreme about, oh, I'm a liberal dude who believes in blah, blah, blah. Now I'm like, well, let's talk about each individual issue. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's, yeah. I, I'm not, I was going to say, I think that's the way you have to approach things. You don't, you can approach things however you want. Everybody's an individual. Um, but I, I feel very strongly the same way. I do not like the fact that everything in our society now is a line in the sand and you have to pick one side or the other and everything has to be a fight. I, yeah, I, I will defend my beliefs to the end. It's good to be, you know, married to your convictions, but I think you need to think for yourself. You need to take in the information, make your own decisions. We even have a line in one of our songs, something like, you know, let your traditions die. Think for yourself and stop letting them all fill your head with their crap. Like that's what's up. And and I love hearing you approach things from that direction. This is but this is not meant to be some kind of like pat each other on the back. thing. I just love having the conversation (laughs) about this stuff. You know, it's interesting about like like the way social media and stuff makes money is by putting something extreme that keeps you engaged on platforms. Right. And that's what, when you talk about web three and like how information is changing and censorship that like, I'm optimistic that, that, that won't pollute the new generation. Like it's done with us in terms of like technology, make people being able to have sovereignty and making their own choices about data privacy. And you know what I'm saying? Who's getting shut down and whatever. Cause I do, I'm an advocate of free speech, but I like if, if someone says something that like is racist or sexist or xenophobic that I don't agree with, I'll definitely speak up. And I think you have to, if if those are your beliefs, which I feel like you kind of, there's a land in the stand. Like if someone says something that's like definitely, objectionable um i'm gonna speak up about it because you have to right <laughs> uh, freedom freedom only extends to the point where you are hurting other people in in my mind i don't think that's that's something we should be protecting being hateful and hurtful pointlessly yeah hate yeah exactly man i guess you could say anti-hate that's my theme of the music i think that that's like Jesus as a, um, not to be too biblical, but as like a philosopher was like, and Buddha too, is like accept and and be compassionate and forgiving. And if you can, it takes some sensitivity and some intelligence to get there, not just have this lizard brain reaction when someone pisses you off violently or whatever. Right. Like, yeah. So, yeah, man. So I think that would be it. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, no, I love that answer. All right. Yeah, so absolutely. you brought up two things that lead me to the next question I would love to ask you. You brought up Weird Al. Ooh. And you brought up Web3. Ooh. And so I remember listening to The Graduate and this gigantic robot kills very much back in the day. Hey, thank you. Um, and you have released a lot of music since then, including your most recent album. Not not counting the one that you are sort of shadow dropping here at the gathering with uh, MC Snacks, but Fear of a Blockchain Planet, which is clever because... That is a public enemy reference, and I love it. Thank you. Um, talk to us about this album. 
Wow. Okay. So I, 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 the single was called Fear of a Blockchain Planet. And then I was like, oh, I'm just going to call it Blockchain Planet because I want Public Enemy to know, like, I respect their political agency with that title. Okay. But okay. then, but then the day I announced that, they tweeted on, they, they posted on Instagram, I think it was Fear of a Blockchain Planet because I, my friends, they're publicists. So I wanted their okay. So that was tight. I felt like that That's was like awesome. their cosign or something. Their, their subtle approval goes a long way. I think That's so. That's sick, yes. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. tight. And then people were in the Instagram comments like, oh, so Lars, you, is this the Lars record? And I, you know, I never, Chuck, you know, he, he never, we never got on the phone, but it was like a loving tribute to them because I'm a huge PE fan. Um, and yeah, so that record is about like life in the pandemic, is about being a dad. Um, it's about like, what what do you value? Why do you value it? And crypto is such a controversial thing with a lot of like messed up things that are still being sorted out in Web3. Like, you know, it's still kind of bad for the environment and people get scammed and it's still the Wild West. But I think that's kind of why I like it, because it's you can there's a lot of freedom in that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you can have, you know, the government can't take your money if it's stored in an asset. That asset might not be worth anything the next day than worth a million dollars. That's true. So it's like, it's like, it's kind of new. I think it's cool to be able to store decentralized data and, um, yeah, and, and have be, have privacy and, and kind of get away from government control. So, but the new record's about that. And it's about, like, there's puns on that. So, like, like there's a Bigfoot song because Bigfoot is a cryptid, right? So crypto, like hidden secrets. Mm. There's a song with Frontalot where he kind of is like the libertarian jerk who's trying to celebrate it. And I'm trying to like talk about the environmental issues. And there's a song about uh, the Heaven's Gate cult and like the fusion of the internet and like the idea of what what do you believe in? And like this idea, it costs $5.75 to ride the comet. So even in death, nothing's free. You know, just these things that- I noticed the Heaven's Gate reference, yeah. which is something that I wonder if a lot of people are gonna pick up on because I, you know, in the oh, mid to late nineties, that was a huge story. And I think it, it comes up in documentaries and stuff now, but uh, I was like, wow, this isn't, this is a deep cut to bring this yeah. reference in because I, I definitely caught it right away. That was a very interesting track for that reason. Thanks, man. That was like my thrash track, right? That was, yeah, because I, yeah, I saw, HBO did a documentary about it. Um, and it's this question of like, it felt like the end of the world in 2020, right? And it's like, what do you believe in and why? And uh, that dude, Marshall Applewhite, he was closeted gay dude who had trouble coming to grips with his sexuality. And so he kind of had to cover it up and, and it led to a lot of, I don't know, it's just, it was just a weird mutation of what the American dream is and the doomsday cults of the late nineties. And I thought uh, it would be interesting to talk about the Mark Twain thing. Cause it's a, that was a reference. The 575 was a Mark Twain reference about a dude who rides a comet to heaven. So when they all committed suicide, they had 575 in their pocket. Cause that was the fair Mark Twain said it costs to get to heaven. So it's mm. like, but it's not, it's I, when I play that song, I'd be like, it's free to get to heaven. It doesn't cost anything. So anyway. <laughs> you, so you are um, clearly a very intelligent person. Oh, thanks. Um, your, your breadth of knowledge is impressive. You know, the references don't come from nowhere. There's a lot of people that can make nerdy references, pop culture references. Oh, yeah. Yours yeah. generally come from a deeper place. When the when people use the term nerdcore, a lot of times they're like, oh, there's just people that make songs about video games or something. Your stuff comes from a lot of literary references, things like that. A lot of uh, deeper syllabus reading, things of, <laughs> right. of, of that type. Yeah. Um, did you study what did you did you study music in in school? Uh, that's a good question. I did I majored in English 
and the 19th century American literature was like my focus. Uh-huh. And then I was doing, I, I, I was working on a psych minor, but I took senior year off to tour and then came back and finished. I'm doing a master's now in instructional science and technology. So it's on how it's through Cal State Monterey Bay. It's how you use technology to educate and um, bring people together, which is kind of like podcasting, any sort of like transmedia uh, communication. Right. So that's really interesting. Like how you, cause Literature takes forever to dissect. So to make it exist in this cut and paste culture, you kind of have to translate it and, and make it go across the media. So that's why I like being able to subtly put these things in. But I know it's very easy to like lose the thread. And and if you're too cerebral, fools aren't going to like follow you because yeah. it's hard to bump while you're like working out. What? Yeah, Mark Twain? A, what? Yeah, there's a good <laughs> right. balance there. I think you balance it. And, and also, Thanks, dude. I asked that question out of personal curiosity because you seem to have a, a pretty deep musical and musical theory knowledge but also i was like there's no there's no way somebody with the types of uh, knowledge and references you make just went to school and studied music so knowing that you're you're a literature major doesn't shock me completely no probably the least shocking thing (laughs) in this interview so far yeah you put some great literary references yeah in your songs and it's thanks they're they're amazing (laughs) so uh holler over the years, you, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, but you've, you've released a lot of music that incorporates a lot of influences from outside music, a lot of punk, a lot of ska, a lot of things mm. like that. Um, how you mentioned it, how did you get into music at first? Was it doing punk and hardcore shows? Was there something else that got you into music and then led to that scene? How did you get into music? What was the thing that, you know, growing up the, the artists that resonated with you and stuff? Yeah, that's a really awesome question. I mean, you know, this, I remember the Sim, the Bart Simpson raps, the Simpsons sing the blues. Like I thought that was so tight when I was eight. And then do I the Bart man. Yeah, the do the Bart man. Yeah. And, and then I then I got into Weird Al. And then but then crisscross and like 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 that fun kind of underground rap stuff. Um, but Nirvana was the big like quote unquote serious band that I was like, oh, you can have a, a political voice and be poppy and be really unique and raw and honest. And I remember reading the incesticide liner notes where Cobain was kind of calling out this kind of bro culture and stuff. And, and, and I was like, oh, you can use mainstream music as a way to do cool things. And at Nirvana, my inroad to them was obviously was the Weird Al Smells Like Nirvana parody, which I think is like his most oh, yeah. brilliant parody. It's amazing. It's timeless. And so, yeah, so that's kind of my inroad. Then I started learning guitar and getting really into jazz. I played jazz guitar in jazz band in high school, which taught me theory and modes and all that timing scales. And that was cool. Miles Davis, like I always talk about when you're flowing, you guys know this, like what it's the way Miles plays the trumpet is, it's interesting because he chooses where to play and where to have spaces to make his notes resonate. And that's like, if you can master that sort of connection with timing in any instrument that can make you a good artist. So jazz really helped me with rap because they're really connected in that way. You know, it's like, you don't just want to be spitting fire for 16 bars. You got to put spaces and jazz. I think, I don't know. Yeah. That was really what helped me become an MC is learning how to play jazz guitar. It it actually makes a lot of sense. I, uh, so playing, I played trumpet in high school and, uh, I was never good enough for the jazz band, but my friends and all that all got rejected from the jazz band. We got together after school and played the, uh, family guy theme song a lot sometimes. (laughs) Uh, but (laughs) that's jazz enough. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's the miles just finding the, where to put your notes, where to let things resonate, the pauses, all that I think is actually you're correct. Very integral 
to being a good rapper, a good MC, a good, cause there are people these days that will sit there and they'll bust out 16 bars. Just it's it, like, okay, that, that was dope. good it and it's be. dope, but I, I like the little, you know, I like the change ups. I like style. Yeah. We, we talk about it all the time. My favorite, uh, one of my favorite rap groups is a tribe called quest mm. and they do that so well. Yeah. well. There's that, what's that Q-tip line? Like, uh, my pops was listening to the bebop. It said it reminded him of hip hop, but he said things go around in cycles the way uh, Michael's amping is kind of like miles or whatever. I definitely butchered that, but I love that line. It's yeah. I was no, just listening to that the other day. That's on low end theory. Yeah. I think correct. So. Yeah, yeah. That's on low end theory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I guess speaking about, you know, favorite groups or favorite rappers, yeah. favorite, whatever, uh, who's the rapper right now that I guess you're bumping a lot. Yeah. Who's who, best who you, rapper? Who do you think is the best rapper? I like this guy, Eight Corpses, who uh, I found him through like the Suicide Boys Puya Spotify algorithms because mm-hmm. he's smart and he's got a good flow and he's kind of dark. He just did a song with Be Real from Cypress Hill. I, oh, shit. I, I will, nice. uh, yeah, I think you should check for him. He's uh, he's he's moved to, he recently, I think, moved to California. He's a younger dude who's kind of dark. It's like Eight Corpses, one word. Okay. Um, I like him a lot. And he's very funny and very kind of like... Um, demented and a little satanic which i don't i don't roll with that vibe but i do like his style a lot okay so check him out a corpses yeah shmeev we're listening to that in the car where uh car ride back to the hotel cool uh Um, what do you i mean there's i think a lot of bands um you know we've been listening to a lot of house of crazies even some of the stuff on our cd we use satanic language or imagery there's a there's a whole track on there an interlude track that is taken from protesters at a church of satan rally. on on this one yes. on the old sins yeah. cast yeah. on yeah. Yeah. celebrating uh, celebrating evil, evil. okay yeah. and uh, it's all samples from protesters at this and i i never looked at uh, any of that stuff even the old esham stuff where he is you know very directly talking about worshiping the devil and stuff as as literal worshiping of evil but more as a uh, counterculture statement you know sure you just sort of bucking the uh, morality or expectations of larger culture. What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I know we have more questions to get to, but I'd, this based is on very what we've good discussed, question. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that. So I do workshops with a lot of young musicians and I help produce them and stuff. And we always talk about this literary word metonymy, and that's like an extended metaphor. So like Emily Dickinson has this poem where she uses a, fl- a flag as a metonymy for victory, like the Iwo Jima image of the fools. Yeah. So like, right. so metonymy. So for, for me, if you're talking about like the literary archetype of Lucifer, it's like the metonymy of rebellion against the order, which maybe needs to be rebelled against. That's the whole theme of Paradise Lost and John Milton, the first epic English poem, right? And so like, yeah. I feel like some Satanists are atheists, but they also are like, pro-choice and stuff like that because i'm a christian i'm me personally i'm a pro-choice christian which some people are like what like how can you be like that like there needs to be some sort of uh shaking up of the order um and i think that like yeah the rebellious archetype is basically what that is like in black metal you have upside down pentagram or you have a pentagram right it's just a way of of being rebellious which i don't necessarily think is evil that's how i understand like there's this documentary about the church of satan and how they fight to do things like help kids who have been molested by priests get into foster families where they're actually being taken care of like undoing the evils of the institutionalized christian church because once you have power and repression and the state 
running things, you're going to have evil that needs to be fought against. So that's the irony about that. That's the, and that's what's interesting about Isham and the redemption stuff and like how he flipped his, uh, you know, that song is really interesting. Redemption. Redemption. Yeah. yeah. Like how he was like, yeah, this is not really me. Um, I don't know. He said it never was. But yeah. at the same time, I mean, a younger Isham was trying to be edgy and trying to rebel yeah. and trying to shock people. And not that I, I don't think I think that's in the nature of Isham. Right. But uh, about that time that he he dropped Redemption, it was after the the sixth Joker's card, after the Wraith, after ICP came out and said, hey, th- this was always our message all the way along. And yeah. Isham, I think, kind of went. Me too. Me too. Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> yeah. My, my message was never you should emulate or adopt these ideologies. It was. I am sh- sort of holding a mirror and, and saying, you know, yeah, it's, it's cool and edgy to say these things, but I was never saying these things are good. Yeah. Yeah. It's the morality plays. That's how I always feel like ICP's best songs are, right? They tell you a story. It's like a Shakespeare tragedy. You're like, oh, this is how not to act. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, this, I, I just want to, I just want to say real quick that for me, this is the best part of the gathering so far because it's a fascinating interview because hey. all the puzzle pieces of MC Lars are falling into <laughs> They're place. They're falling right into so place. So now I'm starting to get the whole picture in a way I never did. I uh, say, man. And I would like I to say that. this conversation's about 100 IQ points above me, but I love it. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah. You're, um, yeah. I think you guys uh, are smart dudes. It, it's very so personally, and I, I've talked about this on, on the show before. Uh, growing up in Texas, I have a very complicated background with religion, mm, with Southern Baptist Christianity, right? Mega churches, mega churches, you know, yeah. the t- right? But uh, Hallelujah, think, right? That Marinko song, yeah, yeah. And so I think uh, that's you know, ICP resonates with me a lot because it's that okay, morality, you know, yes, not necessarily Christian anymore. I grew up Christian because my parents rode to church with my parents, right? Yeah. Um, Not Christian anymore, but that, you know, the morality of be a good person, be good to yourself, be good to others. I I don't need a a, a book or a a priest to tell me that I I should be good. I know that, you know, in, in, in the, the, the core of my being, I know I should be. Well, in, in not only that, but you know, it's a lot of, and to your point, being a pro-choice Christian, which, baffles a lot of people right yeah um just you know having that experience of growing up in church and learning about what being a good person is and then growing up and realizing a lot of the people in the southern baptist community at least not trying to generalize right but at least in the the big mega church area that i'm from aren't really practicing anything that they're right i mean they're well just like i icp has made up their own sort of set of morality you mm. know tenets like hey yeah uh, we believe these things are important but this stuff is okay because it's not hurting anybody they've kind of done the same thing like we're right. gonna take the parts of the bible we want yeah adapt them and just ignore some of the other stuff right yeah, yeah and so yeah. it's uh I think ICP resonates with me a lot because of that background that I had. Yeah. Um, and it actually bums me out that I didn't get into them way earlier. <laughs> it's interesting, man. I mean, it's like we're at, when Martin Luther, what was it? The 95 theses when he nailed them to the, 
door of the church. Right. That was the, that was the beginning of this revolution where like you can have a direct connection with God and you know, being sober and straight edge, like there's, they talk about the higher power, right? What you, what inspires you can be bigger and hard to quantify. And it doesn't have to yeah. be defined as God, I don't think. And I don't think, I think that's like too prescriptive and turns people off. I think it's cool. That you're very thoughtful about it and you're not just like, oh, F church. You're like, well, there's things I could take from it. It's tight, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, yeah, there is a, you know, a higher power thing. And I think that's something that I very much so still believe whether it's God proper, whether it's, you know, a higher being, whatever. Awesome. Just yeah. be a good person yeah. and you get to meet that guy and be a homie with him someday. Yeah, that's what's up. That's yeah. time, man. You put that very well. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Back, um, okay. back to the fun back stuff. Back to the fun stuff. Yeah, back yeah. to the fun stuff. Um, okay. Best rapper ever. ever. We asked right now. Now we want to know ever. I mean, I, I always say this and I'm, I don't front. It's, I think it's Violent J still because he's just such a great storyteller. His mm. voice is so unique. Even when he's doing this weird, the new weird yum yum bedlam voice or whatever. Like I still... It's just storyteller flow, his ex- experimentation, his influence on my cadences and stuff. Like one of my first tours, people were like, you, you definitely have a lot of influence from where he pauses, where he does the enjambment. I don't know. He's still my favorite MC. And then I think Karis one is probably my second favorite who who's here. Who's open for them week. Saturday. Yeah. Which is dope. Um, yeah. One of my best collabs. What I'm proud of is the track I did with Karis, which is about his book, his, his book he wrote about hip hop spirituality. Like, that was huge. And so those are my two favorites. And I used to say Sage Francis is my third favorite. I still think he's one of the best. Very, very talented. Yeah. Absolutely. Huge, yeah. great storyteller and, and great dude. So, yeah, man. That's awesome. Those are my yeah, two no, I, <laughs> I agree. And we talk about it all the time. Violent J is an impeccable storyteller. Yeah. We, every time we get to a track where Jay is just like taking on a character and weaving a story, I'm like, this he's is still, awesome. he's still, yeah. he's still got it. He's still yeah. got it. He'll still have it forever. Yeah. And oh, I'm sure. It's just awesome. I'm sure. Although I will say, <laughs> I think in just pure technical skill, Shaggy in the past five, ten years has improved so much that I think in a in, in just a, a measure of technical skill, I'm like, I think Shaggy, Shaggy's got it here. He's so good now. You know, it's interesting on Yum Yum Bedlam, the first song, I feel like, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Shaggy raps first. And on No Joker's Card, does is he the first rapper on the song after the intro. It's the first where he is. I've never thought about that. And now I'd have to Oh my God. And he kind of shines like that because it's like, yeah, his solo records are great because Shaggy gets to like flex and grow because Jay Jay has a very strong personality. Yeah, right. Um, It's interesting how Wretched is really ICP, but it's really a Jay solo song in a way. Even though Shaggy, he'll yell in the bridge and then it becomes an ICP song. Yes. But I love Wretched. Yes, that's that's Wretched is real. Shaggy's solo albums are very interesting because it's a very different style. And you immediately hear when Jay is not involved that the the tone of the music and the feel of the music and the delivery and everything just evolves. And you're like, wow, I didn't realize how much ICP is Jay. Yeah, I feel like Jay, Jay is like Ghetto Boys, like um, Scarface, that kind of vibe. And Shaggy's more like Snoop, Busta Rhymes, like that sort of a freestyle fellowship, like yeah. crazy insanity. Like, you know, I always feel like Shaggy's like Flava Flav and Jay's like Chuck D. Like they balance each other, but Public Enemy is Chuck D. ICP is 100%. Jay. That's always like how I've thought about yeah. that. So, but it's every time Shaggy drops something solo, I'm like, yes. And, I'm, and this is not to draw, stir up controversy, but I'm never... Loved any solo J stuff a lot. I like some Wizard of the Hood. I don't like the homophobic oh, stuff, God. but I mm. like I like I like 
that record. But I think Shaggy's solo records are better because the ICP records are really like Jay's solo records. I don't know. No, right. I, 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 um, Fighting words. No, if, no, you, listen, it, if you listen may. to our reviews, that's yeah. basically how, how we felt about it. You're saying too. nothing that's going to surprise yeah, our no, audience. Yeah, I know. What's, what's the best Jay solo record? Probably Wizard of the Hood or what? I Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. some good stuff on The Shining. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think the best songs from The Shining were on the demo and didn't make it onto the final album. Uh, uh, when did, it, did the demo, was that like a gathering exclusive? Yeah, it was, he just handed out CDRs. Oh my gosh. And it had a, a song called Ice Cold that ended up on the Incredible Collectible Collection, which was not a proper release. That was like a... They, they did like a self bootleg yeah uh, which I I love the hell out of that song and then Gatekeeper is the other one which has never been released anywhere on anything but you can find it on YouTube and that was what 06 maybe 05 no it was uh, well, it was later wasn't it like 8 08 okay. I don't know I'd have yeah. to, I'd just look but, yeah. Um, yeah no I, I would say the brother EP is weird but yeah there's stuff that I love on it I think it's I think it's really cool when you hear that Jay did all the Zug Island stuff and when you the demos where he's singing it. Yeah. It would have been tight if he had actually was the guy who sings on it Sin. Yeah. If he'd done it instead of him because it would have been like it would have been interesting to hear him experiment in that realm. You can hear so much Jay in there and yeah. I know Jay probably wanted to do it. Uh and I I said that too. I'm like I probably would like this better if it was just Jay. And yeah, if, and I, if and if he had a producer that could go, "Hey, let me let me keep you in your range. Let me make sure that yeah. we're, we're writing so that you sound your best. And so yeah. like writing to your strengths. Yes. Yeah. yeah that, that's that, that stuff's cool. I like the song about jump steady. Yeah. You always have me. Yeah. yeah. Which it. I, yeah. I think mistakenly early on thought, Oh, this is about Shaggy, but it's not, it's about his brother. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. That makes cool. total sense. Uh, so <laughs> setting aside rap and rap artists for a second. Um, You're a big pop punk fan. Huge pop punk. Oh fan. yeah. So yeah. we we both are as well. Holler. Big big fans of pop punk. Um who is the pop punk artist or band that you're listening to right now? Who's yeah. your favorite right who's, now? Who's the greatest current? So old old school. I I make this interesting thesis that like Nirvana was like the first pop punk band cuz you know like Cobain was into like hardcore and thrash, but he also loved the Beatles. Yeah. So it's like take a pop melody and put it over like a thrash arrangement, punk arrangement, and yeah. that was Nirvana, right? That was so that I, people don't consider him pop punk, but I feel like the way they fuse the OG styles. Um the Interrupters though, the new bands, they're like a ska band that song Ooh, Car- she's Kerosene. Are good. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're on um I think Epitaph or no, uh, Hell, Hellcat. A Hellcat. Is uh, it right? It's 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 uh, the one that um, Tim Armstrong. Tim Armstrong owns. Yeah, from Rancid. Right. That's his label. I, gee, I think you're probably right. Yeah. 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 I, I think I recognize that. We we just did a festival in England, Slam Dunk, and they played it too on a different stage, and it was like awesome to see them. Yeah. Because I think more women need to be repped in pop punk and music in general, and like. I don't know the singer's name, but she's a, such a good vocalist. She is. I just discovered them like a year or two ago, and I was like, how have I never heard of The Interrupters? This is awesome. So dope. She's Kerosene. It's like the best pop punk song, ska song in the past 10 years, I think, in my opinion. All right. I love that song, man. Um, yeah. And then like uh, Mom Jeans, they're tight. They're, they're they're a little less pop punk. They're more indie, but they played the festival too, and they're they're awesome. Um, yeah. OG though. I mean, Bowling for Soup, they did so much for me, and I think those songs stand up. Weedus. Teenage Dirtbag's kind of not really pop punk, but it kind of is in that realm tangentially. Yeah. The o- I would say oh, that it's in that realm. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. This something I talked to Brendan a lot about, like whether they're pop punk or not. And and he's like, it's just funny how like you can be tangential to a scene and associated with it, but like some songs are just timeless, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, those are those are some of my favorite. Dead Milkmen. I opened for them a, f- a few months ago in, Phil- in, uh, in, in Jersey and they're just so good live. So many people, so good. 
love them. So that's awesome. Bitch yeah. and Camaro. Yeah, that's like a classic. <laughs> classic. Um, so you you've you've worked with Weedus before. Yeah. yeah, you actually yeah. is that is that on the latest album that you have a track with Weedus? Yeah, we did that song about Infinite Jest, which yes. is that '90s postmodern book, and uh, that's the hook on that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Finite Jest, and we did a video for yeah. it. And Brandon's in it too, so shout out to him, man. He oh. and he produced. He actually produced a lot of Robot Kills. He produced a song with Weird Al. Oh, really? So um, I've that's known that cool. dude for since like 2006. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you you have worked with so so many different artists uh, featuring and doing features with who has been your favorite to collab. Uh, this is probably hard to say who's been your favorite to collab with and who is your ultimate, who is your goal? Who's the, the one person you would just love to do a track with? Um, I would say, I would say weird Al was such a honor because um, we linked, cause I did an interview like MTV had news had did something on me and I talked about how much I loved him and he saw that and messaged me and was like, thanks for the kind words. And he'd put out a song, he was about to release a song called Don't Download This Song, and I dropped Download This Song. So he was like, just so you know, this is just coincidence and like, you're, you're a good rapper and like, like nice work, thanks for the love. So we b- built this pen pal friendship. And when I was in LA, I was like, let's get coffee. He's like, cool. So we, so we started hanging out and stuff and I, and I was like, do you wanna play on my record? He's like, yeah, sure. So that was like awesome that he did that. So, but he, we're in <laughs> the studio, we're, he, was, he was doing his accordion part, right? And he's like, okay, Lars, he actually calls me Andrew. He's one of the few people who calls me by my real name. He's like, do I? Do you want it like this or like this? He played me different versions of the accordion part. And I said, Al, do what's easiest. And he said, he laughed. He's like, that's never how you should pick a musical part. What's easiest? He's like, which do you like more? And I was like, that's from someone who sold so many records. That's huge. I never forgot that. So it's like, yeah, don't do what's easiest. Do what's better. And so I picked the one I liked and it was like a little harder to play, but it, it worked for there. And so... I don't know. That was just like, a, if I if I had gone back in time and told like an eight-year-old me one day, Weird Al would be asking me for to pick which accordion part I wanted. It's <laughs> like, that, that, yeah, trip me <laughs> out, man. That was an honor. That's something that I will like n- not forget. And yeah, he sends me a Christmas card every year and oh, like I see, That's him, awesome. see him when I'm in That's LA. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. You know, Weird Al was pretty popular when I was in elementary school, middle school, whatever. Um, but I didn't really fully fall in love with him until probably college. I started listening to a lot of a uh, uh, podcast called Comedy Bang Bang. That he oh was yeah, on a lot. And uh, he was the band leader on the was Scott uh, Ackerman. TV Ackerman, yeah, yeah, Scott Ackerman, yeah. yeah. Uh, All time favorite podcast besides mine. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's when I was like, man, this guy, raw, this guy's awesome. Like he's just a cool dude. And that's a dude who's vegetarian and he's a christian mm-hmm. and he doesn't talk about it a lot but like he's a lot of interesting things about how faith drives him and how yeah being a good person i mean he doesn't ram it down your throat but right. we've talked about his christianity and stuff and I, like but i think it's some, he's someone who's like who just lives the life man and doesn't like force it on you you would probably maybe wouldn't know that necessarily about him that's new information to me i, yeah. I very strongly believe that the best way to influence people is to set an example, not force your beliefs on them. Yeah. That's a, that's actually being adamant about you need to think the way I think, or here's what I think. And you need to know is a very quick way to turn people off. But if you live your life a certain way, you have your certain beliefs and people see it and they say, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Then, then you've, you've won. You've done a great thing. Yes. Yeah, what What do they say with writing? Show don't tell. Sometimes, like with fiction writing. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Show don't yeah. tell. That's yeah. that's um. That's a very that's an important rule of movie making. 
Yes, what's up? Yeah. An artist I would love to work with is I, I'm doing a, a Poe record and I really want Poe? Yeah, Edgar Allan Poe full length album. I want to do a, I, I would love it if it worked out if Jay or Shaggy or both of them <laughs> were available to do it because Old Evil Eye is a telltale heart. It is. And so it's mm-hmm. like it'd be fun to have like a, a part two of that with them. That'd be a dream, you know, um, that's like a Kickstarter stretch goal, right? Whatever they would need, like raising that. Um, right. But that'd be tight. I don't know. That would be. What about the artist Poe? Oh, the her singer. too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be perfect. <laughs> On the hook. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. That'd be tight. All right. So uh, we're talking some Juggalo stuff here. Uh, let's talk about the show that you were doing for a while. And you're still somewhat involved with Hatchet Chat. Yeah. You were doing that with MC Snacks. How did that get started? Oh, man. So it was similar to you guys. I was like, oh, what if I did a thing where I did every piece of the history? Because I was re-listening to them in 2017. I was like diving back into them. And Snacks, I met at the Dark Carnival Games, which we talked about, which was Jump Steady Short Live Gaming Con, which was in Denver. And uh, so I was doing it every week. And then I started... then. Then I had my son, my wife and I had our son and I went back to grad school. So Snacks kind of took over the production. So now he kind of helms the ship, but I guessed on it, you know. So, um, yeah. So Hatchet Chat, I think we're about 30 episodes maybe in. It's YouTube, but we're going to do um, we're going to do the audio podcast. But yeah, man, I'm impressed that y'all <laughs> y'all been going so hard at this. It's definitely yeah. takes a lot of effort and time, but I still do Hatchet Chat, but it's not every like it's not it's not as regular as it was. Maybe we'd yeah. do like four or five a year every okay. few months. Yeah. I mean, you've got other stuff going on, so you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we were <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got a music career, you've got a family. <laughs> like there's you got to focus on that stuff. Thank you. It's it's yeah, it's like you negotiate space for things, but having Snacks produce it, that dude is a great rapper he makes great beats and he does all the video editing so that's like makes it possible i just jump on the zoom we have rudy rude boy on it we had Vinny. it's been cool like having getting some love from it and and rob saw it and that that was tight like i was like oh it's tight when your heroes are like recognize that your bizarre intense fandom exists (laughs) because it's kind of insane that we would even go down these roads but juggalos understand it like the dark carnival magic makes you want to do things that maybe you can't explain to normies. <laughs> There's a lot of people well, that certainly, even like close friends, and I will say even bandmates of mine that are like, don't get this. They, you know, they're like, um, you just keep the juggalo thing you're doing, you know, sort of isolated from what we're doing. I'm, okay, you know, I, I get that you don't get it. But. It's like some people like are really into collecting insects and like mounting them and or bird watching. It's sure. like a hobby that once you become into your late 30s and 40s, it's like. All right, this is just what dad does. Like, I, I was playing my son Malenko in the car, and you know, with the record skips at the beginning? Yeah. My son's two, and I turned the CD off, and my son's going, Malenko, Malenko. It's like, oh no. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, that yeah is I, awesome. uh, you know, it's, it's funny because, uh, the band, the most successful band that I was in, uh, very much the same way. I'm still super cool with everybody in it. I'll, I'll do merch for them on tours when I can. Um, but they're very much so. Yeah, you keep the Juggalo stuff like way over here. Yeah. Uh, but then yeah. I also played bass in a punk band, most recently called the Kinky Bastards, and we they were like. Yo, you should try and get us on the gathering. Let's yeah. let's do this. Let's let's. About it. They yeah. were down with the yeah, clown that's immediately. And that's and yeah. that's yeah, that's the thing you don't want people to like. It always feels like someone's like the word appropriation might not apply, but someone's trying to like 
I think jugglers can tell when you're trying to get cred with the scene versus you're doing it for real. Show not tell, right? Yeah. yeah. But like, it's a tough balance to strike, to be honest. But it's tight that they get your passion. They're like, we can make this work. Like, yeah, that's yeah, what's no, up. It, it was, it was, it was super cool. Um, that's awesome. Also, <laughs> I, you're holding the fuckface CD. I just told you I was in a band called the Kinky Bastards. I have asshole names. For yeah, almost every project. We, we are in bands, which is ridiculous. I, I like, I like how your CD printing looks like a CDR that's written with a but, sharpie. Okay, so here's so great design. Here's what happened there. So I did the layout and everything. Yeah, that's, still, man. Uh, but. The reason we made this is for our podcast, we did a contest. Um, we finished all the ICP albums and we said, send us the songs we missed so that we can do some episodes of song, you know, stuff that wasn't on proper albums or that were features on other people's albums. Yeah. And uh, we'll pick, you know, three random people to win something. And one of the things was we'll record a single and send you the only physical copy of the single. You'll be the only person that has it. You can do whatever you want. Upload right, it to the right. internet. Keep oh, it to yourself, I see. Whatever. Okay. And, um, hence the Sharpie. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Right. Well, so the guy that won, we made one, instead of sending him a single, we were like, it's our, it's, it's our homie jiggles. This guy is a, 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 a fundamental part of the juggalo community. And when he won randomly, we were like, all right, we're doing a full album and we're just going to send it to him and shock him. So we did a full layout and that that's what the CD looked like that I sent him. And he's like, when you do the actual CDs, you have to. So he scanned right. his CD and sent me the thing. And oh, OK. Printed it on. There. That's why it looks like. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a legitimate scan of the original CD that uh, we gave to Jiggles. Yes. Yeah. It's very, very meta. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. And uh, who's it's it's uh, your dad on the cover. It's my dad on the cover. That's Aaron's dad inside. Oh, yeah, okay. that's yeah. my dad and my uncle on the inside uh, playing football as kids. That's yeah. what's up. Yeah, yeah, it's cool then, design, man. And then there's a picture of us under there trying to look extra tough, <laughs> extra horrorcore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we I horrorcore is an interesting term because there's a lot of, you know, I this is not a diss toward any artists that do it, but yeah. you can do extremely basic by the numbers horrorcore. And although some of it is really interesting and good, our goal was never to do that. We were making songs that we were like, this is the song we want to make, or this is the thing we have to say. And uh, it, we, I, I wouldn't reject the term. I'm yeah. fine with if people want to lump us in with that group, because I think that's a cool genre to be associated with. But Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, it's like nerdcore, right? You can easily do paint by numbers. Like, yeah, it's, right. It's tight. I was peeping on Spotify. I was like, this is fun. Good work, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I, I have a burning ICP question. I want to either squash or confirm a beef here. Holler. Let's go. There is a, a little song you did. Very little known. It's not a popular the, song. The uh, Schrodinger's Cat. It's No, it's called oh. Hot Topic is Not Punk oh, Rock. And in that, you have a line where you say yeah, ICP right. throw blankets are not punk rock. Now, right. I'm not saying ICP is punk, but. I kind of think they sort of are. They embody the punk spirit. At what point was that meant as a, a diss toward them? Were you already uh, clearly you were already already a fan when you wrote that line? Talk to me about that. That's a great question, man. I, yeah, because I was in the hot topic. Right. And they, I saw the the Hatchiman throw blanket. I was like, whoa, this is a long cry from seeing them on the clowns from outer space tour in palo alto in like 98 in a small club now they've got blankets at hot topic and i was like i don't think that icp necessarily is not punk rock but i think like the fact that the store is selling this underground culture is more a dig at hot topic right I get that than them, but that, but like people ask me about that because that song is one of my more played songs on spotify and stuff yes. and it's yeah uh 
it just kind of it, it fit with the cadence and I kind of wanted to shout them out in that song and like this hot topic and then there's a the whole thing with the FBI where Hot Topic maybe didn't sell their stuff anymore. But no, then, that's true. Yeah, they definitely. Mm-hmm. So that's selling the stuff. that's whack. They were just trying to capitalize on it when it was profitable. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, it actually makes ICP more punk rock that Hot Topic started refusing to sell their products because it was too hot true. for them. Very true. Too now, hot for the topic. Yeah. Follow up question. <laughs> and I think this is the question that a lot of uh, I mean, burning for yes. a lot of people. Um Official stance on Spencer's. Is that punk rock? <laughs> <laughs> Spencer's is more... Well, Hot Topic now is like anime, meme shirts. Yes. Spencer's is like that, and then like like more anime. I right, don't know, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess like the question... The, the problem with that song is like, I never wanted to paint myself as a gatekeeper. Speaking of course, of, right. Uh, violent hate <laughs> the sure. song Gatekeeper. No, yes. I didn't want to... Yeah, so it's like, I don't, like being able to tell people... And I did a a show and this woman came up to me who was a librarian she's like you know a lot of the things in the first verse of your hot topic song are girl coded because i'm like evanescence books like tinkerbell whatever she's like hello kitty stuff she's like so if i like girl stuff that does that not make that coincidental yeah that was kind of coincidental it was just literally what i did that day when i wrote the song i went in and just wrote down everything that i saw (laughs) (laughs) but so so i so gatekeeping what is punk and not I don't know if that's tight these days. It definitely gets people talking about it. Right. Uh, is, is Spencer's it, would be less punk than Hot Topic. Well, I and, and I feel like that song aged very well because Hot Topic is such a far cry from what the it thing, used to be. When <laughs> that came out, though, that Thanks. song hit me hard because I remember the first time I ever went to a Hot Topic and they had a whole section with straight edge shirts. And I was like, holy fuck, this is the coolest store at the mall that has shit that I want to buy. Right. And then by the time Hot Topic is Not Punk Rock came out, they had transformed into this pop culture-y, like selling ICP throw blankets and Misfits lighters and stuff like that. Yeah. It was like, what? What even is this store? Well, uh, like like the story with Tupac and the Outlaws. When he died, his he had this rhyme: "When I die, smoke my ashes." Right. So these homies went to did. Venice Beach and smoked his ashes. Yeah. So hot topic to capitalize on that had the Tupac incense burner, which was yeah. like a tribute to his ephemeral soul becoming a flame. And I was like, that's kind of whack. Whether that's coincidental or not, that's not right. Tight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, follow up to the follow up: <laughs> How punk rock is box lunch? Uh, is that like what? I don't know that. Is that a subscription oh, thing? No, no, no. It's a store that Brand you go to new, in the yeah, mall. It's, uh, it's been around for probably three or four years. Yeah, three or four years now. Yeah. Is um, that gamer stuff or what? Um, it Pop is, culture stuff. I'd it's say. It, it's their answer to actually. Hot Topic owns Box Lunch, I think. Mm. But uh, I, I think I think they I think when GameStop bought Think Geek and started opening physical stores. Hot Topic was vying with them to purchase the company and mm. lost out on the bid. So because they didn't get the Think Geek branding, okay. they started opening box lunches in every mall that GameStop opened to Think Geek in. Okay. So it's like gamer nerd stuff kind of. You would think it is. It's definitely nerd stuff, but it's like a lot of um movie stuff like there's Harry Potter stuff and a lot of Disney stuff and I buy like all that. my uh Star Wars shirts at Yeah, box a lot lunch. of Star okay. Wars stuff. I think I, maybe I've seen that. I should peep yeah. that. Um yeah, it's funny. Disney bought, has bought everything that we love. Star Wars, Simpsons. I mean, it's like funny. And then like anything that's mass culture is, yeah, it's this question of what's punk or not. Full disclosure, when Hot Topic is not punk rock came out, Hot Topic was not happy about it because they had employees who were playing it in the store while they were working. So to show that they were actually like in on the joke they asked me if I'd license a shirt to them. And I said, yes. I said, but only if you do Hot Topic is not punk rock on the back. Right. And then they they 
changed it on me. They made it say post-punk laptop rap, which is like the subgenre I, I, I was branding back then. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, that was kind of bothered me. I mean, it's tight that they were like trying to be in on the it and sold my shirt but it was also like <laughs> but it would have been punk rock as hell to do a shirt at hot topic that said hot topic is not punk yeah rock. it made me look yeah. kind of like a sellout dude that that didn't happen and i was like but it also i was like it was cool enough to have <laughs> my shirt there you uh, know? Uh, as somebody that uh, you know and i think eric can attest to this no i won't agree the, to uh, anything till i hear what you say <laughs> oh perfect okay yeah uh you heard that sparkling uh agreement from eric uh as you know, somebody that grew up with you know metal and hardcore and and all that stuff, it was always the dream to have a shirt in Hot Topic. Right? right. I that was that was my dream for a very long time. I, I wanted to have much a anymore, full but, front print neon with like that's some what I'm kind saying. of monster yeah. on it. Like yeah. Yeah, I wanted the deathcore the 2008 shirt Hot Topic. Devil Wears Prada shirt. Yes, you know what with I mean. Reptar yeah. on it or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Did, did y'all go to Warp Tour? Is that kind of your scene, or was that not really? I've, I've never been to one. Yeah. You've never been to a Warp Tour? My, no. my goodness. So I've. The only festivals I've ever been to are ones we played. I've never gone to. This is the first like big music festival I've hmm. gone to. I've only. But just you're involved. You're running an event. Yes. But you're not performing music. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's what's up, man. That's interesting. Well, that was uh, interesting because like. Did you, you did you play Warp Tour? Yeah, we did three summers. That's on what it. I thought. And it was interesting how like Twisted eventually was on it. Like yeah. the last one. Uh, I, they, apparently they asked ICP to do it, but it just wouldn't, wasn't working. So then they twisted said, we'll do it. So anyway, it's interesting how the juggalo world crossed over with that kind of punk yeah. underground world. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, uh, I spent, I spent what, many years. At, at what years did you go? Tour. Oh man. Probably like, I would say, Oh six, Oh seven all the way through like the year before they ended it I'd you say. went multiple years yeah yeah oh, i was a i was a big i was a big warp tour guy i was i really liked it this is uh, the best band you saw warp tour ever yeah best oh title fight absolutely okay. okay yeah title fight for sure i don't know if i like title fight on an outside stage was kind of weird yeah some stuff some stuff it's like hard, it doesn't it doesn't translate as well like icp like you i saw a show where they're doing a festival outside during the light a lot of their shows works well with the dark and the effects and the lights. Yeah. They're still amazing, but like some shows you don't want to see at Warped Tour. <laughs> no. Yeah. You know, and there's, it's funny. We actually talked about this on our crossover episode with Juggalo Judgment when we were talking about our Holly. all time favorite albums and stuff. Um, another band like that is a band called Drab Majesty, who I saw out on an outside stage, and they're very much so. Um, like, goth, like a dark synth yeah, wave kind of thing. goth synth wave oh, type yeah. of and i'm like this does not translate in black at yeah. all over yeah. to, a, to a sunny outdoor summer environment yeah. yeah i was like this doesn't translate this needs to be indoors you know who the first year i played it the dude who was who was on it too um whose show was great and he went on to do well mgk his first oh, foray, yeah. 2011 right, yeah. and he was doing tricks on stage and it's like yeah it was like interesting that that festival launched a lot of cool things, and but it, it couldn't survive because kids aren't kids didn't know, weren't following music like they used to. That's why they stopped. Yeah, yeah. no, it's yeah. Uh, the music industry shifted a lot. I mean, it's every no, every facet of the music. Yeah, this is no hot take or anything, yeah. right? But the music industry shifted a lot, uh, and it made things like Warp Tour not profitable anymore. And not right? yeah, they was less attended, and yeah, that's why it's so amazing that gathering's still going and. You know, it's tight to be here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The staying power that the gathering has is a huge, yeah. huge testament to ICP. Speaking sure. of that. That's what's up. Let's let's talk about the Juggalo community. Juggalo, I think, you know, you mentioned this in the, the public eye, has sort of a, 
a dirty name, right? It's not so, it's something to dunk on easily for a lot of mainstream, you know, media and, and Saturday Night Live and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but how would you describe this community to somebody on the outside that doesn't understand it? Well, I think so. If you go back, like using that term metonymy again, right? Like using like the dark carnival, I feel like the way they explained it, it's all these people who were kind of Gen X and younger people who saw a different side of the American dream. And then because they're kind of marginalized and you could say underclass in terms of like not given the same opportunities and like kind of put in, in situations that weren't favorable to them, they had to create their own culture, which is not to be too simple, but it's kind of the story of hip hop, right? It coming out of the Bronx and like this idea of you create something from nothing. Right. And that's why I think the idea of the I think one of the best ICP videos is how many times they're chilling and it zooms out and then you're actually there in a freak show watching TV, kvetching about their day. I think that it's it's this interesting subculture that reflects what happened when the American dream revealed itself to not being as clear and beautiful as we thought and this idea that like after world war ii right like when japan and germany's auto industries were demolished by the war detroit had this huge resurgence so the boomers had all these opportunities but then like when the factory shut down and reaganomics and stuff it was different economic reality for kids in the midwest and so i think icp spoke to that like what happens when the the romantic vision of manifest destiny is actually like this anti-transcendentalist thing where like where like there's you have to deal with the issue of what happens when uh, capitalism isn't the end all to everything certain people are are disenfranchised so juggalos kind of sit at the nexus of all this and i think it's interesting rob's story being a veteran like the iraq the iraq war the first gulf war was problematic in that like was it more of our imperialism and and people came home with ptsd and so what do you do when that part of your empire has limitations right so like i always feel like you look at american history there's all these things that come together and then you have people piecing together this beautiful story kind of like c.s lewis did with narnia where you make sense of it give people hope and the community comes together and you're kind of like you know what is a human story, we're going to use music and friendship and positivity to make something beautiful out of that. And that's why all the players in this world have a very interesting contribution to the story, like you guys do in the podcast, yeah. all the jugglers, the people who help fight the FBI, the lawyer dude who stood up for them, like people who are down with the clown in a way that that's given meaning during these dark apocalyptic times. But like, you know, one of my favorite quotes, Roger Rabbit, in Roger Rabbit, which is my favorite movie, he goes, a laugh is a powerful thing. Sometimes it's the only weapon we have. And that's what the juggalos do. They laugh at things. They they circumscribe the darkness and they find their agency in being part of a community that even if they're marginalized and criticized and like even if there are messed up people in the community who aren't super positive or whatever, we're doing the best we can. And I think that in a way is like the best version of, of finding purpose in 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 how our generation was handed the american dream so that's how i feel a juggalo is right we're trying to make sense of everything in this way and that's what hip-hop did too like i said piecing together this this world whether through digital media social media storytelling and a narrative that makes sense and gives people hope and that's what icp has given me a lot of hope and got me through a lot of dark times and given me some of my favorite memories of my life and yeah man so it's it's 
I think that's what a juggalo is. That's a very yeah. long answer. That that's awesome. <laughs> it, it was a whoop, whoop. well a well thought out answer. <laughs> following that up with whoop whoop, and, and you know, I think for <laughs> me, you. some of what you're saying is what always you know even early on caused them to resonate with me. And it was it was I think even more so I think on a smaller scale that the American dream is not singular. And I think coming out of the the 50s and 60s, uh, it was. Here's what you do. You live this way. You grow up. You get the job. You have the wife and the kids and you get the house with the white picket fence. And this, you know, this is what you think. This is what you feel. And I think starting with Gen X and and coming down from there, there were a lot of people that started to go, but that's not my dream. And I think that ICP helped to embody that and, and give me a place to focus that and go, it's not my dream. I like what they're doing. They're living their life the way they want. They're right. pursuing music. They're doing it themselves. And I always thought that was an interesting thing. They're, they're like existentialists. Like Sartre was like, existence precedes essence. Who you are is defined by what you do. And ICP are like very much existentialists in that way. You know, which, and I think the thing right. with the Gen Z, the Zoomers, like if we're like Gen X millennial cusp, right? Like if right. we were like, we're if we, gap generation. if we wanted the American dream, even if we did want it, it's not accessible, especially the Zoomers, the way like the, the class divide and, and housing prices and the recession. Like, oh, so even if you did want that, sorry, you can't have it. <laughs> right. Right. It's not a it's not a realistic goal or dream to have. So, so and it's yeah. like uh, like, I mean, LP said it best when he said, get a house, get a job, get a coffin. Uh, yeah. That's tight. That's like tight. Yeah. that's that's what the American dream was. LP and is so sick. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're we're yeah. listening to Ronnie Jules I, on the way over I've here. I've seen them Monday with Rage at Madison Square Garden. Oh, that's awesome. Oh we were God, talking to uh, you know Mankini. No, I know. Oh. The, maybe heard the name. Okay, yeah. a big big player in this community. Yeah. and is working on stuff. But he had also seen Rage and drove in. Um, just the night before our event. That's what's up. Yeah, yeah. he he saw Rage on Tuesday yeah. and then drove in. And had no sleep for the podcast event yes. on Wednesday. That's yeah. legit. Whoop. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. So <laughs> whoop, whoop on that. I, in the, in the uh, being respectful of everybody's time, I don't, I don't want to keep you too long. This has been an amazing conversation. I do want to ask a, a question about. Yeah, you're going well, to ask about the Crazy Town cover? Well, I was going to asked? ask about it. I didn't, I didn't ask. But if you want to talk, like, that of all the things that you've put out <laughs> is the one that caught my attention most because it's. I don't want to say it feels off brand because your brand is whatever you want to do. But how the hell did that happen? I remember so crazy time. I remember their first single. I was I my high school had a radio station and we got um, the toxic single, which was like new metal thrash. Yes. I thought it was yeah. tight. Then I heard butterflies like, oh, this is different. And it, and um, the dudes, the acapella guys, the sons of pitches, they had worked with a YouTuber who I'd done a song with. So he was showing me to them. I was like, wouldn't it be funny to take this new metal song and and just do acapella of it and so that was it i always loved that song because it's kind of like sweet and um a weird departure and then they won't talk about like a one-hit wonder right like yeah their big hit um but i think it's a beautiful love song and i thought it'd be fun to try to capture the, those flows and it, yeah it was it's like kind of like a surprising thing to drop though I, I wasn't sure if it had anything to do with the fact that when you were a kid you and your brother caught this butterfly in a jar oh and, you took it in the house. and it, you know you want to dedicate your music to the spirit of the Wouldn't butterfly. that be a cool concept to take that chorus and tell that story? Um, and, hey, maybe on the... That's an interesting story. Fifth Joker's card of the third deck. That'll be <laughs> the last song. With uh, Butterfly. You know, it's funny how like Yum Yum Bedlam has all these weird interpolations like the Say a Prayer for Me, the Sponge, and like all these old alt yeah. rocks. The Mother Mother, the Tracy Bonham thing. Yeah. It's like... 
it's interesting how they're like catching up on the 90s alt rock and maybe they'll come back and then new metal reference on yeah <laughs> I hey know. i mean but the timing is right to do so i mean I'm not going to lie. We kind of did some of that, too. And I think it's partially inspired by the fact that they did it. So we felt empowered to do the same thing. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of of artists and we're at the gathering. Do you think and I've heard people use this term and I've heard people use this term as an exclusionary term to separate something Uh, that's a juggalo artist that almost Mm. almost in a sense saying uh, they don't count. They're Mm -hmm. only for that community. So I'm not going to listen to them. Do you think juggalo artist is a thing if so do you consider yourself to be one or do you think that juggalos are just a large community of people that like all types of music well like kanye right would he's christian right would you call him a christian rapper not really probably no because he's not like the john rubin or those people who like that's their thing he's not dc talk yeah hey great reference yeah he's not dc talk uh but but so like i'm a juggalo and i rap if someone wants to call me a juggalo rapper, that's tight. But I, I haven't made a record that I think aesthetically reflects that world, really. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that is, yeah, it can be a disparaging thing to say, but it can also help with branding. When I think juggalo rapper, I think of like a lot of the artists that MNE signed, like Lex, the Hexmaster, people who are definitely like third, fourth generation, what ICP was doing, who have bars and who have skill. Yeah. But I, I I feel like not to be too reductive. It's like if you're rocking the face paint and you're not like Travis Scott or whoever was wearing the black metal face paint at Rolling Loud mm. last year, or whatever. Like you're, I would aesthetically call you a juggalo artist. It's a fashion thing. I think yeah. maybe I think it's as simple as that. I could see that. You yeah, think it's a as matter a of aesthetics. Thing, yeah, yeah. But like Isham's not wearing face clown paint, no. right? If you were born after '85 and you wear clown paint and like. And like you just mentioned, seventeen on a song, you're uh, yeah. probably a juggalo rapper, right? Yeah, that, 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 I, I, I can totally see that. Yeah, I can totally fair. see that. But Puyo wouldn't fair. be a juggalo rapper, probably. No, I wouldn't think so. Because, but he's playing at the gathering. But it's like nerdcore. Like nerdcore, it's like if if someone's a nerdcore rapper, it, it's usually pejorative way of saying they're like not very good and they're not going to really go anywhere <laughs> career wise. Right. Right. You appeal you know, only to this audience. Yeah, that sucks. Yes, and and I yeah I, th- I think that I think that juggalo artist is reductive as well and kind of puts you know kind of how you explain that when you pose the question kind of puts artists in a box right let's so let me actually store that away yeah blase rose juggler artist considering she dropped an album on psychopathic right and appeals very much to that community see i haven't decided whether i think the 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 that juggalo artist is a thing or not because I've met so many people within the community that listen to all kinds of music and don't just listen to juggalo music. Um, but I definitely think there are artists that target that audience and go, Hey, built in audience, just like there are artists that target the Christian music audience and go built in audience or the country audience. I think there's a lot of people that go, Hey, my rock career didn't work out. I'm going to target the country because (laughs) it's an, there's a certain, um, insulated nature to some of these communities. Sure. It's a built in market. Right. Yeah. Um, so yes, I think so. I mean, she wore the face paint. I think she still does and stuff. I, I, yes, I would say, I think so. Yeah, what's what's good with her? Is she still doing stuff? Yeah, she just dropped uh, an album with a with a group. I think it was a, a three piece, and that just came out a few months ago. That's what's up. Yeah, I've always been surprised at people who come up under the Juggalo brand because when Juggalo artists are good, they're awesome. When they're not, it's like it's very, very much not tight. There's so a lot of by the numbers stuff. So I'm wary of that term, but I'm sure you guys are. Um, but well, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean. If if the Juggalo community likes what we do, 
awesome. Uh, obviously, we are involved in this community. We are part of this. Yeah. But I, I think we made um, music for anybody that likes that kind of music. I, I think uh, the term, you know, juggalo artists, you know, it, yeah, it's it's it, in regards to RCD. um we definitely have some influence in there yeah. and you can, oh, yeah. you can clearly hear the juggalo artist influence, but you can hear just as much hardcore influence and, 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 and punk and, punk and, and rock and, and thrash, and, you know, yeah, some, from some places, but so, so yeah, yeah. does that stuff, does that, I mean, I mean, I mean, juggalos listen to all kinds of, you know, Upon a Burning Body and Amur and Attila and all these Upon bands. Upon a Burning Body played The Gathering, yeah. uh, I think, a few years. That's so, what's up. Yeah. So, Yo. Shmeev, you had a question. Yeah. Uh, regarding, like, the Juggalo artist and Nerdcore thing, I'm more in the Nerdcore thing, so that just yes. is... Shmeev is... That's so, Just so you know, Juggalo Judgment is... Uh, the idea is we have one lifelong juggalo on that that team and one person who is not a juggalo and the, oh. the juggalo is exposing the non-juggalo to the music oh, that's as what's they up. go that's so Shmeev is a huge nerdcore mega ran fan things like that that's so, tight that's tight yeah. go ahead so oh, Shmeev let me give you this 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 mic here. Yeah. Oh, oh, why don't you get on guest here, spot man. hot mic I get to get on the mic let's go Ooh. on the uh, on the nerdcore side of things I remember um a panel that I saw once at Magfest, actually, with all the with a bunch of nerdcore rappers and stuff, and uh, Samus, who is amazing, uh, she went off once because of the way that like it, it is similar to the way that Juggalo is kind of like it's very reductive and stuff, and in the terms of nerdcore, it's just kind of like. Oh, you know, they reference video games and stuff and they just kind of gloss over the fact that it could never be mainstream accessible or that people can use that to say so much more uh. in their music and stuff. And it could like Juggalo artists can be a thing that can be used as a helpful categorization for like, hey, you like this, this other stuff that Juggalos dig. Maybe you dig this stuff, too, you know, but instead it's used as this way of kind of like crunching stuff down into you know like this box where it's like yeah it's for those ones over there and that that just sucks we uh we just had a big so we have a discord for people that listen to the podcast and stuff and, right. and we talk in there a lot and we just had this whole subgenres conversation where i said i do think there's value in it because it helps to identify communities and culture and help you discover music but i don't like that it can be used as a exclusionary gatekeeping uh, we almost as a weapon yeah right? yes yeah. Uh, you can ab they can absolutely be weaponized by people that want to include or exclude things depending on what they feel well two okay so two stories so that interesting thing that's interesting about samus because like mega rans told me how she's not nerdcore right because she's conscious she's a professor she's yes. like really dope and talented but her name is a metroid reference yes so so it's like it, sometimes it can be frustrating how people label you i can imagine someone like a rapper like light or someone who's a badass rapper it's, he's a juggalo rapper and right but like he's not on psychopathic anymore so it's like if someone just played someone his stuff he's not wearing the face paint you might not know even though it's psychopathic monster or whatever yeah. you might not know like um so here's a question for you guys like yes. i know we could talk about this all day are there like with nerdcore there are aesthetic production things that define it to me so it's like you'll have a chip tune mario beat you're rapping over yeah. or Su did you hear the new suicide boys album no the very first song on it just came out a week ago is a sample from super mario world that's, that's what's the up. beat that's what's up are man. they nerdcore now 
<laughs> well, or Lil Nas X doing his Red Dead Redemption 2 song, yeah. Old Town Road. Oh, I'm yeah. Sorry. I interrupted Is he a nerdcore? You, you know what I'm saying? No, no. It's kind like, of, but kind of. He fits that. He definitely fits that It's box. because the culture's evolved so much. Juggalo culture. Yeah, I think like like musically, like ICP, when they first came out, it was like old school rap sounding. And then they found their footing with, with um, Riddlebox and Malenko's like, they sound a little like Cypress Hill. Jay was pitching his voice up. Yep. And then, and then Juggle Brothers gave us like the rap metal version of them. Yep. And then Wraith was like, all right, whatever you're doing is different. We'll see what's up with this. Yep. But like, so aesthetically, like, I don't know if there's a Juggalo sound. To me, it's either rap metal or it's like carnival beats. Is there any, like, how would, could you define, even define it musically? No, that's what I, I think that's actually the root of my question. Yeah. Is that there is no defined juggalo sound. I think there is a sort of at its purest form, what people would consider to be a, a horror core sound, but I don't think ICP sounds like that, but I think a lot of juggalo music is, you know, people use juggalo and horror core interchangeably. Yeah. You know, and I think that, uh, the, the third generation, Juggalo music, neo juggalos you know, as we would call them, very much so. <laughs> uh, in yeah. you know, they they definitely play into that horrorcore sound. Yes, yeah, yes. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think that I feel like horrorcore is more of a non-exclusionary descriptor than you know juggalo music that's is. true horrorcore I mean, is juggalo. better than juggalo music i'd right. rather something that's tagged horrorcore and soundcloud than juggalo. right of course yeah, yeah of course yeah so i i feel like yeah. if somebody tags their music or brands it as a genre as juggalo music they are emulating icp talking about references to their songs their music that culture that would be what i would think uh just uh to, to all of the shmeev on the mic all of these like things that you're bringing up of like, oh, is this nerdcore? Is that nerdcore? Jamie Madrox is the know, biggest man. fucking dork in the world. <laughs> yeah, I want to like, be a Batman, right? Yeah. And and Jump Steady's like his his Chaos Theory. That's a nerdcore record. That's He's a all, Dungeons and Dragons record. Yeah, and like Master of the Flying Guillotine. Like they were all on like you know the nerdy stuff free, yeah nerdy they, stuff kung fu movies just like wu-tang so was wu yeah <laughs> and that's like and so with nerdcore for me it's this it becomes a problematic distillation because like when it first came out it was cisgender white dudes front chris me doing this stuff and and there was not a lot of reference to that it was a black art form that we were building on that's where i kind of took took uh umbrage with the term nerdcore because it was like this idea of like black erasure Right, because Wu Tang wasn't nerdcore, right. but they are. Doctor Octagon is that nerdcore? Is yes. Dell the Funky Homo Sapiens? Yes. Yeah. So it's like this term even existing is problematic. Uh, so so that's something that's hard, and so that's why I could see like um, people of color and nerdcore like they're it's, it's it's something that I'd let them speak on, but I could see why they would maybe be uncomfortable with it. And I don't know if I if yeah if there's a whole racial component to the Juggalo stuff that I don't know how deep we want to get into it, but. That might be different, too. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And when you frame it, you know, in that state of mind, it's, you know, that makes the term nerdcore very much so uh, derogatory in a, in a way. Right. You could yeah, try right. to make any label derogatory on how you use it. Of like course. you said, of wielding course. it as a weapon can yeah. be dangerous. It, it has been in the I mean, in the hardcore scene. Nobody wields it like a weapon more yes. than hardcore kids. Yeah. Juggalo, you're saying. 
as a oh, term. Oh no, just as, just just genres. Genre oh, exclusion. Okay. okay. Like, oh, that's a metalcore band. They're not a hardcore band. You know, stuff like that. What, so, what was the story with that dude Joker from Phoenix who like did that? Oh god, that video with where he's in the car and he's wearing the Malenko jerseys. Yeah, it's the, the, the dancing clowns. Like, it's was it got tons of views. I thought it was awesome, but then it, it like, was why were people not feeling it? Okay, it's not that people weren't feeling. Oh god, should we even get into this? So. Is he, he a juggalo rapper? That's kind of my entry question. Uh, he, I, to my knowledge, he did a lot of things denouncing juggalos and, and juggalo music and then kind of came back around and was like, no, I'm going to do the juggalo album. I'm going to do a full juggalo album. And he did Kickstarter campaigns and stuff and took a lot of money from a lot of people and then did not fulfill that promise. And people... That was after but, the video with the car? Correct. People, people are still waiting people, for that album. People are still waiting for it. And a lot of people, I we know somebody that gave, I think, like $1,500 and uh, never got anything back. Was it because the pandemic slowed down production? I mean, I think he probably's got a reason. I, there might be a reason. I Again, I'm not the authority on it, but Shmeev knows a lot because um, Mike is quite involved. I think Mike has actually donated to this campaign, correct? Uh, yes, Mike has ordered like the entire run of CDs and stuff that he had, but uh, a lot of his claims and stuff, because I... I don't take it. I, look, I, I'm not gonna like start throwing we're not in, stuff we're not around in it for anywhere. But for like, rumor here. but but I am just gonna say, as far as his uh, Joker's claim is that you know he went through like a divorce and all that stuff, oh, okay. kicked out of his house, Life whatever, shit. had to do all that stuff. So so the, that ate up the overhead. Yeah, which happens, man. Says, you gotta yeah. give him leeway. Maybe it's gonna take him a minute to to get back on his feet. It's been several minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it has. But I I think I think it's a. Like almost everything, there's a little bit on both sides. Could he have handled things differently despite what was going on in his life? In this instance, probably. Can people be more understanding and receptive? Probably. But we all know not everybody's perfect. Well, but it's like I also like if you're a juggalo, if you're a rapper doing the aesthetic incredibly well and making a great video where you're flowing, you're in the car, is people dancing. It's like, oh, can maybe it's like you can't be too good as a juggalo rapper or else we'll be <laughs> we'll be hating on you. I, that, I mean, maybe because didn't Fago lovers have him on and he tried. He was like explaining it or. Oh, maybe I, I'd have to ask Scotty. I don't okay, know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess you sure that's the newest. That's the last. That's the last artist I saw where it was like they're branded as that, and I was like legitimately impressed, mm. and I was like stoked because it's like third gen, fourth gen, yeah, kids doing this well with bars. Like, let's go. Like, I'm, I was down. I played that video a ton. I bumped that song so much because it's got a hook that's tight. Like, it's good. Let's go. He knows how to make music, and I think like. Yeah, man. Or MC Snacks. He's a he's a the dude I work with. He does juggalo rap, but he's also does nerdcore rap. And like he'd call himself a juggalo rapper. But if you heard it just on its own, you maybe wouldn't say that. So I don't know, man. I think we'll let the algorithms tell us what it is. They'll listen to us and then they give us what they think we'll like. And right. (laughs) But I think that kind of brings us full circle back to uh, somewhere near the beginning of our conversations that I think the juggalo community and ICP are woven into a lot of music that we wouldn't brand as juggalo music that yeah. I think that there are a lot of big mainstream artists that if you talk to them, they would go, Oh yeah, I loved Malenko and it has had an influence on the music I make. Even if I don't talk about that, you know, I think it's, it's woven in to a lot of music culture and a lot of music in ways that people don't recognize. So. Because nothing that was big in 1999 still has a festival that's gone 22 years they're right. singular in that achievement absolutely i mean uh, yeah i mean i guess what other big bands from them tour at this level with this sort of engagement 
I, I can't mean, think maybe of anything. Slipknot man. is pretty close, but they yeah, don't have a festival. That's but true. I mean, they sold more records, maybe, but yeah, they don't have. It's a different vibe with yeah, them. But yeah, you're right. Absolutely. That's Corn, maybe. Yeah, but they're a little pre- preceded them a little. Yeah, um, a little bit. No, no. I mean, I guess in getting not, big, they yeah, got big first, like a year before or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing. If you could, the, the culture is so fragmented. If you people are nostalgic for a time when there was a monoculture, and when you were like a tangential to the monoculture, that makes you twice as dope as the juggalo world is. If you're looking at pop culture history and rap, and yeah. that's why KRS is like down to come open for them because they probably paid him well, and like he's like, this is tight, this is hip hop, this is this is let's keep it moving. You know, it's also going to bring KRS to an audience of people that otherwise may never have heard his music that's really that's true that's sad that's, but that's point, tight yeah. yeah it's actually good it's good because icp love krs yeah well you know we were sitting eating dinner yesterday uh watching the sets on the main stage and between sets uh Devereaux and shaggy the airhead were just spinning music and they played the original ghetto boys version of assassins yeah and i will not say who it was but one of the people that was with us sitting there said oh i've never heard the original version I've only heard ICP's version. Yeah, right. And that was a sort of bell went off. I'm like, people are being exposed to music that now they're going to go, well, now I want to go listen to Ghetto Boys. Sure. Well, that's what, and that's what Weird Al did for people with pop culture and all these moments of musical history with his parodies. And that's yeah. definitely what ICP did with me with rap. Like, I gave me a language to try to understand. And I, I'd agree. That's what's Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Whoop, whoop. Okay. ICP and us. Two, yes. <laughs> two, two last quick questions. Right. Uh, we just did our top 100 ICP songs. What is your favorite ICP song? Uh, Boogie Woogie Woo. Yeah? Do you want to know why? Yes. Absolutely. Because what ICP does so well, like, obviously Jay had childhood trauma, right? So yes. he's tapping into, like, tapping into that character tapping into the sort of unspoken uh, scary like like archetypes from our mind and telling it in a story that that was narr- the narrative makes sense it's funny i like it three ways to stop me for doing what i do like you think i'm gonna tell you i never yeah. heard a rapper like like come out of the uh break the fourth wall and be like this is a rap song we're not gonna do this right. it's the same thing on um uh on what is the song what is a juggler where he's like that don't even rhyme you're gonna come yeah. mess up my stuff like the way they did that, that's something ICP does so well, like making fun of the whole element yeah. of rap. The beat's tight. I like the, the singing on it. And um, it's just, that song's perfect, man. That was like the second, that was like the third song I heard from them. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was Super Balls. It was How's Illusions than that. My friend was on Hotwire, which was like a peer-to-peer file sharing service in his dorm in high school. And he yeah. downloaded it. And I was like, this is awesome. So that song is just timeless to me, man. It's spooky and funny. And it still gets me a Jay's voice. And the way he comes in the beginning with the ah, yeah. boys or whatever, like that's tight. Doing things I'd never heard a rapper do. I was like, oh, hip hop can be this. Right. Yes. And hip hop can be scary and funny at the same time. And um, it still bumped that song, man. It's, it's play it for my son. It's like, it's, it's a great song. The production, Mikey Clark's production on that. I can't wait to see see Mikey Clark. And I like want to say what's up to him. If, if unless he's not he's, around. He's kind of a hero. We are huge yeah. Mikey Clark heads. He's my favorite producer yeah. of all time, man. Yeah. He's great. Bar none. He's more fantastic. than Dre or Kanye to me. Like, he's a G. I, I, I would agree. I would yeah, prefer, I prefer the music, the beats and stuff he produces and the work he's done. Uh, more than most any other. I'm trying to think of a producer. I mean... We talked about LP. He's a sick producer. 
Well, and there's a lot. You're talking about your exit point being like the calm and the tempest, right? That was like yes. a few years after people were like, oh, Mike's not doing this, not producing them anymore. Yeah. And the music changed a lot after Mike stopped doing it. And I guess that's right. why the Wraith was kind of a surprising departure. Yeah. Whether he didn't want to do it or d- they didn't have enough money for him or what, I don't know. Yeah. I think uh, the Wraith would have been was doper with him. There. Jay's strong personality. What's that song on Bring It On? He's like, Mike, turn it up. Like, yeah. obviously, they're bossing the studio. They're selling millions of records. And he's like, you know, the reason you sold millions of records might be because of my production. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I, man. ICP works. And I think this goes for any artist. I, I don't want to single them out. But yeah. because we focus so much on their music, having a producer to offer guidance and help build your music and help you be your best makes all the difference in the world because if you work with a producer that just goes in just do your thing you're never gonna you're never going to get the best best result well and that and bang pal boom was his return and that's why that record is the best of the new Uh, joker's cards i think that album i love right that was his last and he did i guess he did some beats for marvelous missing link but he didn't really produce it as i understand uh no i think a lot of that i mean so james garcia produced a lot of that one and and seven Seven produced a lot of that one as well. Um, but, but I heard that Mike had, had sent him some like MP3s of beats that they maybe used. prior. So prior to Bang Pow Boom, I think for The Tempest, Mike was sending them beats. He was not in the studio with them. OK, so he had sent music, but didn't work producing um, like on a, you know, in person basis. I guess the, the record where he had the departure was he did part of uh, Tales from the Lotus Pod. Yep. And then he didn't do the rest of it. Correct. And that, and then, and then I always loved the uh, Mars version of that more, you know, like personally. But I feel like that record was like the last great Mikey Clark collab with them until Bing Pow Boom. And then I really haven't felt that same magic. Not that I don't like their new stuff, but like that is like when you get all the Beastie Boys together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's when it's when Eminem and Dre do something. It's like, oh, this is why I fell in love with this project. Right. Anyway. Even, you know, you look at Bang Pow Boom and they did the nuclear version, which has the song It's All Over. And they they finally put Mike in the video as part of the group. And it was like, yeah, because he kind of is. You know, he he belongs yeah. with you in in my mind. But yeah. I, the band, you, man. Yeah. You know, I think. And this is to... Just like Legs Diamond is part of the band. Yes. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. You need Legs on there. When he's doing hook and guitar, it's dope. Absolutely. But sorry, sorry, Um, Aaron. No, you're good. Uh, I I think, you know, ICP, they're very ambitious artists, which is to their credit, right? Yeah. That's amazing. But to Eric's point, it's always best when you work with a producer that can kind of reel you in if you get too, you know, ambitious, which is more out of you when you need it or pull more out of you. Yeah. Like don't play the, you know, whatever's the easiest. Tell me which one you like. That's what's up. That's a great example. Great callback. And Jay started singing more after Mike. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Fair fair enough. Those tight. It didn't always work. Sometimes it did. What's the best song Jay sings on? You guys think where he sings on like more than he's rapping. Hmm. You know, there there are tracks earlier on where I'm like, damn, Jay sounds great singing on this. And then there was stuff where I think he just wanted to, to flex his Pearl Jam passion. Right. And go, <laughs> hey, I, I, I love these, you know, grunge and rock bands and I want to try and do it. And I'm like, uh, I, uh, you know, I don't know if that's great, but good for you if you had fun doing it. But I'm trying to think of what I would say is the song that he sings. Where he's best not on. really rapping. Yeah. Because there's Serial some. Killer. Which one? Serial killer. If I was a serial killer, oh, that's no. true. That's funny. That's actually that. That's a free bird cover. That's but that is him like laying into the I'm singing and it's like you didn't yes. expect it. Yeah, I think his best hook is um, doesn't he sing on the Marsh Lagoon hook from Green Book or not? 
yeah, he does. And I love that track. That's that's way. a great story. That song track. and Ham Shabam are like. Yeah, man. Yes. That's some. Yeah. That, that era of Twisted. Like, yes. Pour one out, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Unlikely Description's a good album, too. It's just a completely different thing. Mm. Do you, it's just a rock album. Yeah, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah, that's right? a, yeah that's talk a about genre and aesthetic. And um, anyway, yeah, that's I appreciate you guys having me and coming to talk for two hours. This is yeah, dope. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. This this uh, went long. Uh, I'm I glad could we talk hit record. <laughs> yeah, I could talk. We could talk to you all day. We appreciate you taking the time out to do this. Absolutely. Um, Can I shout out something? Yeah, I was gonna say, please oh, promote yeah, your promote stuff. Everything, promote everything, anything, and everything. Yeah. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Patreon. Shout out to our drive, permanent decentralized censorship free storage. We should get your guys mixtape on there. So live there forever. Let's go. Shout out to the F Face <laughs> mixtape. Yes. Uh, thank you for the physical copy and shout out to my boy MC Snacks because like he hosts has to chat with me and shout out shout out to my son and my wife this has been awesome Y'all this has tight. been awesome thank this you has very, been really awesome. very much um, you know where to find us you've heard our show www.icpwwe.com it should it. already be your homepage I've yeah. been calling for it for months now at Yo, this point Aaron, so. quick question where does someone get one of those fresh hatchet man with the mic shirts Ooh, do you have a merch store we do www.storefrontier.com slash icp WWE. There's also a link on our website. There's CP, also a link. WWE.com. Yeah. You know you're about to be sold out of that fresh design now, though, right? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Let's go. So uh, I I picked this up Who right did before that the. Uh, I made it up. Yeah, I think, you made right that one. In the Still, very, thank you really so good. much. Yeah. yeah. Um, Eric does all of our our kind of graphic design now, but uh, that was our first I shirt. Put, yeah, this is our first ever yeah. shirt. This is our first ever logo. Yeah. Yeah. It's timeless, bro. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Well. So anyway, about twisted in the. Whole- <laughs> Thank you, Lars Horace, uh, for joining us today. Everybody, please go listen to the music. Check out Hatchet Chat. This has been awesome. Also, uh, thank you, Shmeev, for hanging with us. Yeah, our producer, and being, being a producer. Yeah. And chiming in. Shmeev, tell us about Juggalo Judgment. Here you go. Uh, we're Juggalo Judgment everywhere. It's uh, J-U-D-G-N-E-N-T. Uh, no, we've no been on this e show before. And judge. How come? Uh, because Mike thinks that that's the absolute proper way to spell it. And while the American dictionary usually gives it, I what? love having the E in the judgment. Yeah. Does that make Google confused? No. I mean, it is like the typical American spelling of it, weirdly enough. American spelling doesn't have the E. Yeah, no. Nah. So, oh, oh. I thought it did. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, I thought it did. What about Judgment Date? Hold on. The, that rap rock classic. Judgment Night. The Judgment, judgment Night, Night soundtrack. Let's go. I'm also, sorry. Also one of the most judgment. influential <laughs> albums in, in my history. Cypress Hill and Sonic Youth. Mary Jane, I Love You, whatever. Booyah Tribe and Faith No More. That's, that's, <laughs> ju- you're right. Last yeah. Judgment, as in the Bible, doesn't have an E, but Judgment Day doesn't have an E either. I learned something, homie. It's oh, crazy, wow. man. Whoop, whoop. There you go. <laughs> All right, Big old whoop whoop. that's gonna do it for us, whoop ladies whoop. and gentlemen. Thank you so much for Eric. I'm Aaron. For MC Lars, I'm Aaron. For Schmeeve, once again, I'm Aaron. Big old whoop whoop. We'll see you next week. You do that in everyone. You yes. Oh, that's right. Yes. Because ICP is we. Yeah. That's what we call them, autonomy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>